When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey, everyone. What's going on, mate? Mate, just uh, getting fired up for the preseason challenge. It's the only competition that matters. It's the only pure game left. There was... 125 million people watching the Super Bowl um, on Monday. It's the most viewed television broadcast since the moon landing. But I have a feeling that if Taylor Swift showed up to Cogra Oval on Saturday to watch the oh. new squeeze Corey Horsburgh run around, then maybe may, maybe we could break that record within a week. The, 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 I believe the album Red is actually about Corey Horsburgh. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a tumultuous relationship. Yeah. But uh, man, you know, horse likes her. So, hey, who are we? Who are we? To, who are we to question? True love. We'll both be there on on Saturday. They've really seen double header, uh, the Charity Shield and the preseason challenge lumped into one. What, what I know you it's, ask it's, for? it's almost too much. But uh, much like Avengers Endgame, I'm sure this one will break some records. Indeed, and Crossover joining us event of the year now to preview all things Sydney Roosters. A good friend of the show. Uh, I, I, I believe a, a first time on the main show has been on the Patreon special when we did a James Bond show previously, but uh hardcore Roosters fan and dare I say Hollywood elite, Josh Brandon, welcome. <laughs> hey guys, how are you? Mate, fantastic. How are you? I'm splashingly well over here. It's uh, It's really, really great. So I think that of all our patrons, you are probably the coolest one in terms of what you do outside of rugby league, but also definitely the one that I have told the most stories about and chief among that is the uh working the name of a roosters player into every piece of art that you create would you want to quickly run people through that yep yep true story so uh i got my first produced episode of television on a sci-fi show called haven about um nine years ago and i wrote my first episode and i thought well how can i not try to squeeze some names in here so i i managed to get the first name boyd into the script couldn't get coordinate but i got boyd and that kind of began it from there on the next show i put a few things in i put in a young girl who was kidnapped named julia hargreaves and um one of the one of the suspects this was on a show called houdini and doyle was mitchell pierce they they uh, at one point the camera pans by some shipyards and it says jennings shipyards and the great thing about that joke was it became irrelevant now it's relevant again because he's on a train and trial and then, yeah, just ever since then, any movie I produce or write or direct, I try to sneak a few names in. And it's gotten to the extent that I have like a sizzle reel that's about three and a half minutes long and I send it to the team once a year and they watch it in training. It's great that like Mitch and I came to this, the the premiere of your first full-length feature film. And then, yeah, one of the characters is just like, hi, I'm Mitch Orbison. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I was a little more subtle than that. We yes, meet I- his wife. <laughs> we meet his wife, Kiara. And then we later hear about Mitch, who ten- turns out to be a bit of a sex pest. So they they all got a, a huge <laughs> I, laugh out of that. I honestly thought you were going to say who turns out to be quite underrated. 
Yes. I thought you were going to do it. I should have said that. So poor, poor Mitch Orbison got the Homer Simpson treatment, uh-oh, SpaghettiO style. <laughs> yeah, he kind of did, but he loved it apparently. In, okay, the, well, in, that's, the, that's in the episode where you had a suspect named Mitchell Pierce accused of a crime, what was the mm. crime? <laughs> kidnapped and murdered a young girl. He didn't, had nothing to do with dogs, if that's what you're wondering. Well, he kidnapped and murdered my origin dreams for a decade. So lock him <laughs> Mine up. Too. Perhaps, I was there. Perhaps. <laughs> I, I would imagine that in future episodes, all the all the fans of Mitchell Pierce would bring up however many years he got for his crime as a as a measuring stick for anyone else who's done anything wrong, as your fans have continued to do to this day regarding anyone that acts up off the field. Yeah, yeah, they do do that. Where, look, you know what I've learned is that every fan base is the same. You go on Facebook after any game or Instagram or whatever, and if they lost, it was all the refs' fault. True. And if they won, it was in spite of this player. And everybody's a cheat. And the NRL's trying to give it to the other team. It doesn't matter who which team you are. I actually just had a fun little social experiment with it last year. I literally would go and check the comments on any losing team. And you can basically pull them all together. And only the names have changed. So, yes, Josh, we're as crazy as the rest of them. We'd like Josh, to believe we're not, but we are. You lost me. At, you go on Facebook and check out the comments section. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, 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 you're braver than me, mate. I like to tell people if you ever are a little worried that humanity is better than you thought, go and read the comment section of any article on any subject ever written. Who was ever worried yep. about that? <laughs> no one. That's my, that's, I, I, that's my chief concern with life, Nicholas. That's what. I, that's the only thing I really think about. I'm, I'm glad we've got Facebook comments to keep us grounded. Josh and- is coming. Josh is coming to us live from the City of Angels today. And he's actually the head of the LA branch of the Boom Rookies fan club. That's true. Have, has have you found a second member yet? Uh, I think my wife has heard part of a podcast. Okay, so okay. that's got to count, right? Yeah, I will right, say right. no. I like it. A, a, a small, a small thing. So, Nick, I know that you in the past have have winced at the idea of listening to podcasts on an increased speed of any point. It's all crazy. I got in Josh's car with him last year. The podcast was playing when I got in the car. He listens to us at 1.8 times speed. 1.7, to be fair. Let's not go crazy. The exact same thing happened to me when I was in LA last year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's not because I'm fanatic. You still somehow sound the same. And I sound like Ricky Ponting on cocaine. Yeah, yeah. So the, I, I feel the, like the I've most, been stitched up there. The most disturbing one, it was a questions episode, and I think you had Harry on. And Harry, as you would have heard on our last show, Mad Nights Man, who has like a real draw to the way he speaks, like a real sort of country twang to it. It's all part of his charm. Speeding that up to 1.8 times makes him sound like a like an oil prospector who's come to rip <laughs> off the town and and, and you know what I mean? Like, really oh, didn't like Harry, it. it slick Harry Ramblers and his fast talking yeah, yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I have to get used to just talking and listening to you guys at a normal speed because mm. I am used to hearing you a little bit like chipmunks. Yep. It was, it was confronting. I'll say that much. I'm a not busy con- man. You know, I got to listen not, fast. Not as confronting as the Rooster signing Dominic Young will be for me this year <laughs> when he scores 38 tries. What is the record for tries in a season? Is it still... Like going back to the, it's is it still Dave Brown? It's sure it 38. Is. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's Rus- ever going to beat that. I think Dom Young will beat it this year. I've already made my peace with it. <laughs> God, he's good. I'll tell you uh, this. I would hmm. not assure Dom Young of a starting spot at this point. Wow. Okay. Well, let's start right, let's there. Start there. <laughs> let's start there. Because <laughs> yeah. Dom Young, great I don't, season I don't base year. that on anything. I haven't been to training or anything, but it's going to be very hard to dislodge, obviously, Daniel Tupo. 
And from what I've heard, Swali is training out of his skin on the wing. So we'll see. Although he's named in the centers for this trial, but they've named like 19 players. So who knows? Like let, let's let's start let's start there let's start there with this with this trial team they've named on the weekend. You look at the back line that they've named. It's Tedesco, Tupo, Young, Billy Smith, um, Joseph Kusosuli, Kiri, Walker, and you think that looks pretty good. And then you realize Joe Manu's on the bench, and That's things right. can things can get even better slash worse depending how you look at it. This is a Roosters team that is star studded from top to bottom. To that end. What are you expecting from this year, Josh? What should this team do? What, what is this team capable of? I think this, this team is capable of winning the premiership. I think some people will be disappointed if they don't get close. This is probably our best chance since 2019 because we've got a lot of players leaving at the end of the season. I'd like to, and we haven't made the top four since 2020. So I'd like to think a top four finish is almost necessary to justify this team. And I think they should be thinking they can win the comp. That's what they should be thinking every day. I mean, every team should be thinking that, but you, you couldn't really go into the Tigers and say, we think we're going to win the comp. That's that's the feeling around around East at the moment and, and should be. Tigers, yeah. cop and strays. <laughs> every, I, I feel like every show, the, the guest for whatever team we have takes one unnecessary pot shot at the Tigers. I, bro, you win two spoons in a row. Like That's true. That's, that's true. what I'm saying. You've got to you know? cop what's coming down. Josh, I, I agree with you. And I like that you brought up that they haven't made the top four since 2020 because... I think the last three years I've tipped the Roosters to win the comp and not just win the comp, but win it in really impressive dominant fashion as well. Mm. Um, and I think they've had teams that were capable of doing that or going close the last couple of years. But I also think that the, the, not the culture of the team, but maybe the spirit of the team wasn't quite where it needed to be. I think that they all still believed in that, you know, we play for premierships credo that the Roosters have, but I, don't think they were quite willing to pay the price for it. And as a result, the team did end up underperforming, you know, no top four berths in three seasons with some of the teams that they've had at their disposal is quite shocking. I would say. And last year, me and me and Bertrand had a running gag of this is the week we're going to put the line through the roosters. I think I put a line through them about eight times. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was every episode for two months. We were like, yep, this is it. It's over. I and remember was, I mean, Nick because um, I was I was picketing with the WGA basically every day, and I was just listening to to a lot of your stuff. And every day I'm hearing, okay, or every week, okay, this time we're drawing a line through the Roosters, and I'm like, yeah, well, I guess so. But if they technically win five out of the last seven or whatever, and then sure enough, I can't well, that's overstate how traumatic the last two months of last year's regular season was for me as this creeping was- death of the Sydney Roosters <laughs> just slowly meticulously climbed their way up the ladder as my beloved boys in red and green went the other way tumbling down and down and every week that gap got closer and then of course it ends with it that. It had to come to that last game didn't it? It just had to. Honestly I don't think I've ever enjoyed footy less and I went through <laughs> a three-year period where my team won 10 games and conceded 1500 points over those three seasons. But it's like they had to, they had to hit that low, that low point where we were putting lines through them mm. to rediscover that edge. And I, I felt like in those six or seven games that they won in a row to finish last season, you could almost see them relearning what it takes to to really succeed in the highest level. And it got to the point where that uh, so that semi final against the Sharks, when they'd had you know so many injuries and had so many people out and were losing blokes during the game and had two blokes in the sin bin and all that sort of thing. 
But to me, they were able to win that game because they found that toughness again. They found that willingness to to make the second effort. And that was such a hallmark of the Roosters for so long. But I think it was something that they kind of forgot. But we saw them relearn it in in uh, in real time. And I think sometimes we can put a little bit too much emphasis on how last season ended when we look at the start of a new season. But when I think about their last three games and I think about the win over Souths, the win over the Sharks and the narrow loss to Melbourne, that's two really tough wins. And then a loss where, again, they probably didn't have a, much of a right to be in the game, but they were able to do it because they sort of found that, found those championship qualities again. So you take that and then you add in Dom Young and Spencer Lenu and like, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrifying. It's terrifying. You know? Yeah, as long as we don't screw it up again. Well, yeah, but, that's the that's the tough part. That's the tough part, man. I will tell you this though, because I was lucky enough to to be able to spend some time at Roosters HQ last year on the couple of occasions I was in Sydney. And, you know, you, you've obviously been there, both of you. You've seen, you know, all the all the cool dressing rooms and all that sort of stuff. And it's an incredible whatever they call it, center of excellence. And you've got all the gym shit on one side, and then there's this big open area where they all meet and cook and whatever. And then there's the marketing and the commercial team on the other side. And it's really, really state-of-the-art stuff. And I remember talking to somebody who worked there and he said, yeah, so our basic philosophy is we're giving you absolutely every tool you need to be able to play your best footy. So you don't have to worry about your diet. You don't have to worry about your exercise. All of that is prescribed for you. We're going to you know, schedule things and all that sort of stuff. And at one point, I just started to think, I wonder if they've just gotten a little too comfortable. You know, it's that old who's picking up the, the garbage after the game kind of a thing. If you just expect someone to do everything for you because it's been laid out on a silver platter, I wonder if you lose a bit of that humility. And I think that kind of crept in. And I think there was a big push towards the end of last season of, you know what, we're just going to get back to what we're supposed to do when we, you know, worked out of the the demountables at, at um, mm. EQ for so long. We're just going to show up, do our work, doesn't matter what the surroundings are. And there was a big emphasis on, we're going to go around and say hello to everybody and make sure that everybody's shaking hands with everybody every time they come in. And that's because the the layout of the building puts the football department on one side and the commercial department on the other. I think they sort of lost a bit of that camaraderie. And so they made a big effort. We're going to go to the, across the hall. They're going to come see us. And we're just going to be more of an intact organization. Shaking hands and eating gruel. That's what I'll, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'll, that's what I'll get. <laughs> Minnie's gruel. He was in charge night. of it all. <laughs> The public school system was founded on demandables, so I'm I'm right. I'm a big fan of that of that method, and it works. You work it works. hard. It's hot. It's disgusting. You sit. You sit th- there. You think, well, may as well, may as well do my work. May as well get. Well, it I done. will say, as far as demandables go, those were pretty nice. I never decided they're the, the home of the NRLW, so that's pretty cool for them. Okay, well, I hope they are above average demandables then. They are above average demandables. Okay. That's what <laughs> I say. Yes. Thank goodness. <laughs> part of the part of the reason I'm expecting the Roosters to do so well this year is I feel like there's tremendous scope for improvement for a lot of their key players, a little bit like mm. what I mentioned on the Melbourne show the other day. Let's start at the top of the roster and the top of the heat. James Tedesco had a pretty tough season last year in accordance with his really high standards. He's sort of had a lot of people, um, he's, a lot of people are now believing he's sort of on the back end of his career, if not past a, if not like, you know, past his, his footballing prime. As a Roosters person, how are you feeling about Teddy and what do you think he has to change from last season to get back to his best footy? I think this has sort of been said before, but I think Teddy's problem last year was he was a little off and then thought, okay, well, I've just got to take more control. 
I've got to have the ball more times. I've got to create more opportunities. And I think he just ran himself ragged as well as the rest of the team because they didn't know where they were supposed to go next. And and I think because in his past, he has just been able to carry the team on, on its shoulders from time to time. He just thought, well, that's the solution here. But I think the solution was more teamwork and more trust. And I expect that's what he's going to come out with this year. I 100% agree with you on him trying to take too much control because you're right. Like in the past, when things have been going bad for his team, whether that's the Roosters or New South Wales or Australia, James Tedesco taking 35 carries has been the solution. Like if he's done that, that's really worked out. So he, and this is the challenge for him for this part of his career now, like accepting that he is a little bit older and things are a little bit different and it's not 2018 anymore. And maybe he can't, play that way anymore. That's a tough thing for a player to learn, you know, a player learning that his role in the team has changed and what he's always done isn't going to be as successful anymore. I, I, I'm I, I'm with you. I'm always going to back him. Like, let's not kid ourselves, but I'm with you. I think he's going to be able to find that balance. And like a, like a lot of the guys at Souths, like a, a, a lot of uh, the guys at Melbourne, I think getting even just a little bit of a preseason in will make a big difference for him, particularly at his age, you know, he was on that world cup tour. He played nearly every game. He, I don't think yep. he came back to the roosters until like mid January, getting a couple of hard months of summer training. And I think it'll make a big, big difference for him. Yeah, I agree. And from what I've heard, I mean, you always want to hear this. Apparently they're training really well. That's what I'm being told. I think everybody always says that, but from what I know from some friends on the inside, there's just a new air being breathed into the place. Everybody seems to be happy and understands their role. And and I think they know the last couple of years have been really disappointing and they feel they kind of owe it to themselves and to their fans to, to pick up the slack and not start so slow again. So if there was a house, how close are they to training it down? Oh, they're training it down, brother. Oh, okay. So do you think that they kept the demountables? So it would be easier to train. That them would down. be easier to train down than a than a than a. And then like you can reassemble them, train them, down, perpetually training houses down. Well, the ladies no. will be training the demountables down because that's you their, had a, that's their if headphones. you had an infinite supply of structures in which you could train down, you'd be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing. There's a they've done it again. Those bloody structures. roosters. They've figured. They've cracked another code. Um, it's every with- time. And and again, you know, they, they drew the, the United flight. So they get to fly nonstop to San Francisco and everybody, oh, Uncle Nick with his money bags again. Yeah, they drew they drew that flight. Yes, <laughs> what a what an incredible coincidence. Oh, I, uh, we flipped the coin and it came up roosters. Who could have seen that coming? And, and the a, prize, well, and the prize it, goes to the prize goes to the flight. fan in seat zero zero zero, zero one. one. <laughs> hey, that's Steve the next Montgomery podcast. Montgomery Burns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, uh, it's funny though because it's a non-stop flight that goes from from Sydney to San Francisco, and then they have to fly from San Francisco to LA. So I guess Brisbane was never really in the running for it either. And Fiji mm. Airways is sponsoring this, so I don't even know how it came up. But it's a nice flight. I've been on it. I have flown the Fiji Airways route to LA once, and we had a blackout at Fiji Airport for four hours during our stopover. It was truly shit out. I on my recent trip to the states, I also did the Fiji trip, the Fiji uh, flight Sydney to LA. Had the stopover in Fiji. They lost my bags. Um, That's right. I remember this. And three weeks later, they rang me up and they said the bags have actually been in Fiji the whole time. So. <laughs> Fantastic. They really live that bull of a Naka lifestyle, which, you know, you got to appreciate. How do you see James Tedesco changing the way he plays as he comes into the last couple of years of his career? I'll throw that open to either of you whoever wants to jump in first. But it feels like the way he played, especially younger and especially in his early years, like the, the high octane, full throttle 
full contact guy that he's always been. Obviously, that catches up with you at a point, and I think that has caught up with him now. How do you think he can change his game to sort of get a couple of extra years out of his career in the same way that a guy like Billy Slater did, for example? Josh, you want to go first? Yeah, well, I would say, again, in the theme of don't be all things to all people, I think he's got to focus on a couple of things really, really well. And I say this as a person with zero background in actual rugby league, having never played the sport. Uh, We played union at my school, so I only ever got to watch, always wanted to play. But he, obviously, he still bounces out of tackles. He's very good at that. But I think if he can work again, he used to have a, a really, really good passing game in like 16, 17, 18 People kind of forget about, they say, oh, well, if Teddy finds a pass, he used to have a pass. I think if he can link up more with Luke Keery on the left and just kind of play into him and, and not just be the guy who's trying to, to pull the team on his shoulders, I think that's what he's got to do. That's my sort of novice answer. Nick, what's the professional answer? Well, it's the same thing, but it's just in more professional language. I think he's got to fit into the structure of the team a little bit more. That would have been difficult last year because a lot of the time I felt like the Roosters didn't play with a great deal of structure. Part of that was a lot of changes in the halves. Um, Part of that is just, it just didn't seem like that was the way the team was designed. But I think if, if Tedesco focuses more on linking with Kiri and Walker and linking with Brandon Smith up the middle of the field, and rather than trying to be the machine, be a part of the machine, you know, work together with the, with the fellow playmakers, just follow them, follow them around, link up with them as much as you can. I think that'll go a long, long way towards getting him back to his best footy and prolonging his career. But that's no slam dunk because I think when a lot of people look at this Roosters team, if they're trying to poke holes in why they could be a premiership contender, I think a lot of people settle on the halves. Like Luke Keery copped a lot of stick last year. I've said on the show that I thought he had a better finish to the season than people are giving him credit for. But I think for a lot of people, the jury is still well and truly out on Sam Walker. He missed a lot of time last year through injury and some time in reserve grade. Came back into the side the couple of weeks before the finals. I thought he played a lot better, but I must admit, I am a big fan of Sam Walker. I'm a big believer in his ability. And I think sometimes I, because of that, that's why I've been so keen on the Roosters these last couple of years. I keep waiting for Sam Walker to have... The, the next level season and become one of the top halfbacks in the league. Josh, do you think Sam Walker is capable of that this year? And do you think that's something the Roosters need if they're going to win the comp? I think the answer to both has to be yes. I'd say he is capable. Whether or not he gets there probably links to the second question on whether or not they can go all the way. I think Sam's natural ability is incredible. And I think that's what people like about him, that he doesn't play too structured a game. I think what what the biggest issue for Sam is his communication with the other players because he'll do something incredible from time to time, which is great. But then other times he'll try something and it may or may not work, but I don't think he's told anybody. And I think that's become part of the issue that he needed to work on last year. And from what it looked like, he did improve. So it's really more about communication and letting everybody else know what you're trying to do. And that's the piece that might be missing for him. And that's what I'm hoping he discovers this year. Yeah, he's he's a prodigy, right? That first season that he had in 2021 was pretty amazing. And there was the big loopy cutout passes and all the all the sort of, I hate saying eyes up footy, but all the eyes up footy stuff that he was so, so good at. He was so good at just getting it off a quick play, the ball, sizing up the numbers and making you know, making a, a a good decision, a flashy decision. I remember the first time I saw him play was in that same trial game that was Joseph Suali'i's first game with the Roosters. 
And I think Walker went down a short side, hit someone short, made a bust, then was it was the sweep runner on the other side of the field on the next play and through one of these big harbour bridges. And I was like, wow, any guy that can do both those things is going to be really make an impact in the league. But sometimes with prodigies, because they're so good at everything, they never really master the fundamentals. And I think that was kind of the problem with Walker. I don't think he was able, he was good enough at doing the 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 frankly the boring stuff that a lot of halves need to be able to do. Like we joke all the time about how if a half needs to get their confidence up, just kick the ball over the sideline, do like this with your hands, telling everyone to settle down, walk to the, well, it's not a scrum anymore, but walk to the play the ball. And everyone in the stands will like give you a little golf clap and say, well, oh, that's a good game manager right there. But just like little, <laughs> little, 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 little stuff like that. Just like, we already know Walker can fly, but you got to learn how to walk sometimes first. And I thought he was better at that when he came into the team at the, at the back end of last year. But I like what you're saying about, communicating more and linking with the rest of the spine. Cause I also think that's really key. Like it is like it is with Tedesco. Yeah. Honestly, it, it's, it's not dissimilar from the old cliche of just the halfback says to the forward, okay, you go for a run, then you go for a run and let's aim towards this side of the post and let's come back you know, that sort of stuff, that basic stuff. So everybody knows what the plan is. I think that's what was missing, but I, I don't think that's that hard to learn. So that's what, that's what I'm confident in. Last guy in the spine, another guy who, there's probably some question marks over in a lot of people's minds is Brandon Smith. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds like a recurring theme for me with all these Roosters dudes, but I thought he did like when he came back from injury for that push to the finals, I thought he did quite well. And he seemed to sort of find his rhythm in the team a lot, a lot more easily than he did at the start of the season, where again, he's coming off the world cup too. I don't think he was as fit as he needed to be. I think the adjustment going from living in Melbourne to living in, Sydney, which is more of a fishbowl and has a lot more scrutiny, I think that was a lot harder than he thought it was going to be. I'm a tremendous fan of him as a dummy half. I do think it's his best position. What are you expecting from him this season? Because he's another guy who, at his best, can supercharge this team. At his worst, the passes are going behind everyone, and people like my esteemed co-host are saying he's actually a lock forward. So what do you want from the cheese this year, man? Honestly, I want him to play the best 65 minutes of his life in every game because I think that's the key. I think I think Trent Robinson wanted him to be an 80-minute hooker, and I don't know that that's his best position. I really and especially with with you know there's Connor Watson, there's Sandon Smith who came through last year and really impressed who can play in that dummy half role. I think that's the key to to Brandon is not overusing him and not making him do too much because if he's really tired, he's not going to have those moments of inspiration where he sprints up the middle and finds somebody. That's just my view. What I really like about his game is how physical it is. And I, I think sometimes it's almost like until he sort of gets knocked around a little bit and either attack or defense, he can struggle to get going. You know, it's, it's like, um, it's like once he, he gets to taste the blood, like Bruce Lee. Exactly. He gets punched in the face and he was like, oh, this is great. Like, here we go. You know? So <laughs> I like that idea of him playing 65. I don't know how you sort of measure that up with your bench or whatever, but playing 80 minutes at hooker has slowly become maybe the most arduous task in the game. There's not a lot of guys that do it anymore. Even the very best blokes in the league are, mm. are, are kind of flat out doing it. So I like the idea of, of, of Smith, like getting 60, 65 of the good, good stuff. I think that's the way to get the best out of him. Yeah, my 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 thing with Smith is, and it's quite funny because I think, like honestly, probably two of his best games last year were the two games against Souths, which felt like a big middle finger to me. But when it, when he is at his best, I completely agree with you guys. But it's just, the, I, I think that of every sort of, in inverted commas, elite player in the game, 
aside from maybe Latrell Mitchell, Brandon Smith has the biggest gap between his good games and his bad games, like which you just briefly touched on there. Like when when he's one of the best players on the field, he can have a blinder and impact the game so positively for the Roosters. But like he can cost them games when he has a stinker. And he had a few stinkers last year. He had a couple of really poor games where we had legitimate discussions on this show about about what his best position is going forward. And I mean, I don't know. Really, it's obviously easier said than done to just be like, yeah, he's just got to be more consistent. But I think that now that he's had a year to settle in, there's no reason not to expect him to be able to string a few more good performances together. And I think that as long as they get more good than bad from him this year, they'll be fine. I think he's yeah, still a great player. But for the, the same the reason, heat's, the as, heat's definitely as, on. The heat's definitely yeah. on. But honestly, Matt, for the same reason that Latrell goes through ups and downs, a lot of it's just attitude and yeah. a lot of it's just how he's feeling. And for Brandon, I think it was overwhelming, like Nick said, to, to mm. come to Sydney last year. And he thought, oh, I'll just slot in. This will be fine. Sydney's just another major city. But it was very different. You've got nine teams over here and there's a lot more scrutiny. And and he was living in the eastern suburbs where people would see him every day and they're not AFL fans. The you know When you do come to the eastern suburbs, you will encounter Roosters fans. And that was what? different for him. No, really? There's a couple really? of them. Yeah, although to be it. fair, yeah. to be fair, a lot of a lot of Roosters fans don't live in the eastern suburbs anymore because they can't afford it. It's just gotten that bad over the last <laughs> 30 out. years. Oh, the, it's probably the, good that they changed their name to Sydney. Yeah, a, a team for the whole city, as the we whole all city. know. Ugh, feels the problem is, like, you'd appreciate this because South Sydney is a place and that makes sense. And yes. North Sydney is a place and that made sense. Mm. And the Western suburbs, maybe less so. But, like, East Sydney is a place and it's not the Eastern suburbs. So that was never going to work. Yeah. I, like, three I, yeah. streets behind the city. <laughs> Where Bill and uh, Tony's is. Yeah. You go, um, you, go, you go down there, man. The Sydney City logo with the angry looking anthropomorphic rooster. I love that logo. That's graffiti, I love that's that's graffiti logo, on man. the wall. Like, that was a sick oh, logo. And that's that. like, I, I guess maybe it's because like we, we, that's like kind of like our formative years of this sport. But like that logo to me just reminds me of like the McDonald's soft rugby league ball with all the logos on it. P- peak mid 90s stuff. It's the peak. most 90s logo. Just the, yeah. And the rooster looks unbelievably angry. It's fantastic. It's great. Bring it back. He probably hated having his name changed from Eastern Suburbs to Sydney City, which I always hated. Yeah. I think they were going for like a Manchester City kind of a thing. Like, we are the city part of Sydney. And I'm, I was glad when they changed it. I mean, again. it would work for like tourists, but that's it. And there's, I guess that, and I just don't think there's that enough crossover for that to be viable. Anyway, it's been like what fifteen years of that now. So hey. drags in yeah. 15, yeah. fifteen. And back, I do like the logo. Fifteen because... backpackers turn up a week because of their Sydney city. Yeah, oh, let's go see. <laughs> it's Sydney all worth play. it. It's all worth it. And but like not a single though, Roosters do... fan has ever called them Sydney ever. No, no one ever does. There, there was one I do remember in the twenty eighteen grand final when when Ray Warren said Manu has scored for Sydney, and I remember thinking that's oh. for the international audience. Mm. You, oh, Nick Kempton just visibly winced. Oh, that's oh yeah, I'm, I, oh, I physically recoiled at that. That was awful. Oh, the Eastern Suburbs team. It's a good song. Bring it back. Bring it all back. It no, that matter. song's there. That's back. It's better than. No, I know, but there. just like bring the bring bring just bring East back. East is a cool. I don't name. know, but, but the song also calls them the Red, White, and Bluesters. Mm. Bluesters isn't a word. Shocking. That's your concern. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> Mr. Grammar over here. Yeah. Well, I guess you are a journalist, so that's what yeah. they call me. That's, Old that's what they call spelling you. Camden. I, I, I will say I do like the logo because the whatever they call it, the peacocking thing of the rooster's mullet or whatever, whatever it's called, is in the shape of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Which yeah, I, do I, I do, I do love that. Like whatever, eighty years ago, whatever, you just decided to copy the most cowardly nation of all, France, <laughs> and just steal their 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 logo and their colors. So like real, real great stuff. This is a safe. This is a safe place, so I feel like I can admit this. I didn't know that the 
plumage on the rooster was the bridge until like last year. <laughs> I never put it together. Right? Plumage. Thank you. That was the word I was looking good for. Good use of plumage. Drop it. Yeah, very good. Um, Mr. Grammar. We haven't talked about Jared Ray Hargreaves yet. And now I think Jared Ray Hargreaves is like the player equivalent of the, of, of the storm where I'm like, I'm at the point now where like, I'm not going to say, oh, no, he's getting on. This could be it. This could be the year he falls off. Because we've done that for like five years now. And he just continues to turn up when they really need him in big moments for the most part. So I'm not doing it again. I expect Jared Ray Hargreaves to have some, some bad games, get a couple of suspensions. But, you know, when they need him against Souths or in the finals, he'll, he'll be there. I think he'll be really great in the 12 to 14 games he actually plays. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all you need. You get half a season out of him because he's suspended the other half. Yeah. Mm. That's well, that's right. And like we haven't said his name yet, but that's why Spencer Lenu is such a big inclusion yes, to this. And team, I'm right? hearing like, really good things about Spencer Lenu. I, I haven't heard anything about Spencer Lenu, but I assume only good things are happening. You know, like because they get him, it means that Hargra- they can honestly put Hargraves on ice, except for the mm-hmm. six weeks a year that they actually need him. I like the idea of Lenu get, uh, having more responsibility in a team. I think he was ready to take that step after those great years at Penrith. And when I think about the qualities that Spencer Lenu provides, like um, explosive running, aggressive stuff, that, that sort of minute-to-minute, tackle-to-tackle, second-to-second hunger a desperation to win that not only did he have when he started at Penrith he still had it when Penrith were going for their third straight premiership you know I think he was a really big driver for that for the Panthers and adding someone like that to a Roosters team that like you said Josh has probably rested on its laurels at times and has probably lost a little bit of that that fire that intensity you know like that's exactly that's exactly the sort of guy that they need you know and they can, because they can take it easier with Hargraves again. I'm, I'm I'm loving the idea of a Collins, Lenu, Radley middle. That's, that's powerful. That's athletic. That's aggressive. It's mean. It, that's it, what it, it is. is. It's fucking mean as sin, dude. And then you've got like Terrell May, who had such a breakout season last year. He's coming off the bench for him. It's a, it's a, just a really really handy middle rotation, you know. Mm. And I think Radley. Uh, I know he gets suspended a lot too, and he has problems staying on the field, but I still think he's maybe the most important player in this entire team. Not the best by any means. He's the link. Exactly. He is. And when his passing is on, he gives them such great width to their attack. He gives such depth to, 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 um, to how the forwards play and how he gets in at first receiver. It's incredibly important. So as long as he doesn't get like, you know, suspended for hitting someone with a crowbar during a game or whatever, as long as he's on the field more than he's not, I think the forwards are going to be okay as well. So it's, it's, it's a really impressive group on, on paper, their, their forward pack this year, like to the point where, you know, I don't think anyone is better than Penrith, but I think that they can match them in big games. If they have all these guys fit and they have guys like Rio Hargo's fresh down the stretch as well. It, you look at the edges as well. They've got the butchers. I thought that um, I thought Sia Wong had some really good games last year. I thought oh, he was yeah. a, a really yeah. important guy for them down the stretch. He played great in that finals game against the Sharks when they, they asked him to do something a little bit different. And yeah, if, if Radley stays in the field and all these dudes stay on the field, they're, they're a red hot chance to, to win it all as much as it pains me to say. There is a massive competition to get those back row spots this yeah. year. I, I have no idea how it's going to go. But just let me just say something about um, both Jared and Lindsay. It's the funniest thing. You probably know this already. They're two of the gentlest people I've ever met. 
in oh, real great life. Blokes. Great blokes. Ray yeah. Hargraves has possibly the best off-field reputation of any player that I know. Like maybe Damien. Isn't that Cook, funny? Like because everyone, he's, he's such a psycho. To a man field. or slash woman slash child will say he is the nicest dude off the field. Yeah, and Lindsay, everyone we were lucky to. enough. We were, uh, my wife Liz and I were in Sydney last year, right around the time that that um, the Roosters had just lost to Melbourne. So they had their annual dinner and they invited us to come by and it was all, you know, dress up and all that sort of stuff. And it was a really, really nice evening. And Lindsay Collins won the Jack Gibson medal after Teddy had won it, I think four years in a row. Mm. And there was a huge standing ovation and he couldn't get through his remarks. He was just crying. That's great. And, That's awesome. and because he'd spent, and he was saying all about how his his wife had supported him because he was doing all this extra training and that sort of effort where he was just, I remember there was a game where, in fact, it was the Cronulla semifinal when Tedesco got sin binned for holding on in that tackle when the guy made the break down the field. The other one who was there to tackle him was Lindsay Collins. Yeah, and from what right. I'm hearing, Spencer is doing the same thing at training. Ugh. So that's exciting. It, it, Stupid is, Spencer, is, Spencer, is, is Spencer also eating 14 avocados a day like Lindsay Collins? Uh, no, Spencer Lenu eats the corpses of his slain enemies. <laughs> ah, okay. That's a little, little less fatty than avocado. Breakfast of champions. And from what I've heard, uh, he and Jared haven't gotten into a tussle. Unlike oh. some fellows north of the border. Yeah, oh, club in crisis, I, some are saying. No, some I'm, are saying. I would love to see them fight. I really would. I really would. If I was it. doing a list of of NRL players that I would like to see punch on, not in the ring, but in like a back alley or something, maybe under that graffiti Sydney City Roosters logo, <laughs> Lenu and Hargraves right at the top of the list. Old Bull versus Young Bull. That's good stuff. I would not fight either of them. Hot take, I know. But uh, yeah. It's it's a, it's such a good team from top to bottom. The fact that this show started with oh I don't know if Dom Young will even be in the in, in the seventeen and and it's just like somehow from there just got more effusive in our praise for the Roosters and their squad depth this year. If they stay fit, like as Kepo said at the very start, it's shocking that this team has not been in the top four since since twenty twenty. It, it's shocking to me that it, it's it's been it, it's been so long since they've been pushing to win a premiership with the guys that they have. I think that ends this year. I got them third on the ladder and I, I haven't done my grand final prediction yet. We'll say that for the, for the end of the previews, but they're a hot contender. I'll tell you that much. A couple more things I want to hit on just really, really quickly. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, but I'm expecting a big season from Joseph Okuso Suali'i as well. I don't think the move mm. to the centers really agreed with him last year. Um, I think it just got him away from the, the great strengths of his game. And like I said, with Walker, sometimes with prodigies, mastering the fundamentals takes a little bit more time because they've never really had to do it before. So I'm expecting him to do a lot better this season. I wouldn't mind it if they gave him a little bit of the Joe Manu roving commission, just like get him in different spots on the field, show different things at the defense. He's too athletic and too strong a ball carrier for it to have him just sort of wait out there in the centers and, I don't think... Wait for it to get there, you know? I mean, are we sure he's going to play? I, yeah, I yeah, think he's he playing. will. Yeah, I think yeah. he will. You reckon? Okay. Yeah, uh, I, just, I did I, read some... I heard some rumblings that he might start the season in reserve grade. I know Josh said I, he's training really well, but... Yeah, I, I would doubt it. I would think that it's Young and Tupou on the wings, mm. Manu and Suali'i in the centres, and then Billy Smith and Junior Palga are kind of the, the two first Waiting drops. for someone to get injured. Yeah, yeah, but they, that's, that's too good. We'll see. They, the thing is, though, they gave they gave Billy Smith a, a contract extension a couple of months ago, right? So yeah, for three he's years. clearly a guy they he's clearly a guy they see for the future, and they know Swaliti's not a part of their future. So I just wonder, especially if it's going to take him a few weeks to reacclimatize to playing on the wing or to sort of get the fundamentals right and all that stuff. I just wonder, like, whether they think 
is this worth it if the payoff isn't really going to be there because he won't be. I rate Billy Smith. Um, but if we're calling a spade a spade, he's a hard guy to rely on. Yep. Oh, just, and through no fault of his own, just it's just unfortunate luck with injuries, shock and injury luck that he's had. Um, so I can, I can take, I can take your point, Bert, but I, I do think Sula you'll start in the centers. Be very interested to see how that it's, it's just a ridiculous problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, so on the, yeah, I know, I know, right. We've got a bunch of good players. I did have a Roosters fan, not Josh say to me, I was talking to him over the summer and I was like, yeah, your boys are looking all right, aren't they? And he was like, oh yeah, be good if we could bump off Teddy though. And I was like, that's the new South Wales <laughs> and Australian captain. And you're yes. saying you want to punt him. I was like, this is one nobody likes you guys. Yep. You know? Anyway, um, like I said, I have high expectations for the Roosters. I do almost every year. But if they can't put it together this year, then are they ever going to really do it? Can they ask for much more? You know, like they say they play for premierships. Show it to me. Show it to me. Show me Show me how great this team's supposed to be. Show me the the absolute limits of this team's capabilities because you can't ask for any more. Like say that they want, they could have upgraded it at, at halfback with, if they wanted to, but instead they've spent the money on Spencer Lenu and, and Dom Young. So they clearly think they've got what it takes in just about every aspect. So show it to me, show it to me. I want to see it. You know, I have them finishing as minor premiers and I have them making the grand final, but mm. will they win it? I don't know. I don't know, oh, but I've got them. I've got them right up there. Yeah, I've got them finishing third as well as uh, as I think um, Matt did. So yeah, I think I think that it's time for a top four finish. Um, you also get to pick two spots on the roulette wheel for the team of the podcast sweepstakes. I've just sent you the list of the numbers that are already taken, so you cannot pick any of the numbers that are on your screen cool. right now. You can pick any of the others. Double zero is also on the wheel if you want to pick that. But uh, I'll take you eight only get two, eight and twenty four. Yep. Eight and twenty-four. The, well, okay. It's Kobe. Um, Kobe numbers. Yeah, I, oh, I, it's my birthday, but yeah, yeah. It's the same. You took the Kobe. And ben, Benny Quags took both of LeBron's numbers the other day with Penrith as well, with twenty-three and six. So a bit of a basketball theme. I sorely hope eight nor twenty-four comes up on the wheel. That would be quite. Yeah, that upsetting. would be that would be tough. Bruce's oh, team God. of the show. But you know, the wheel decides. The, the wheel decides. It'd be nice to have a successful team of the show. That would be nice, actually. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, just, oh, I'd rather be Penrith or Melbourne, though. Let's be honest. And then last <laughs> up, before we move on, we always like to hear from fans of other teams about young up-and-comers that we should keep an eye on. So, Josh, who, who you got? Give us something. Yeah, there's a young centre. I think he's going to turn 20 this year. His name is Rob Toyer. And he, I believe, tore his ACL last year um, or in the preseason or something like that the year before. But he's really good, and I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he'll get a run in first grade necessarily this year and unless we lose you know, two or three outside backs, which could happen. But I would keep an eye out for him in reserve grade and in, in the years ahead. And the other thing that I've been hearing is not an old player, sorry, not a new player, but an old player who's just breathed new life into himself and everyone around him. Everyone is uh, is saying what a great presence Angus Crichton has been in preseason. Oh. So that's nice to hear, especially because he had some health problems last year. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And I thought he settled into playing in the middle quite well towards the end of last season. So that is going to be his role in the team for this season. And it looks like it could be his last season with him, if you believe the rugby union whispers. Be good to see him. I don't him think we're going to lose both of them. on a high note. I feel, like, I feel like we're going to keep one of those players. That's just my gut. I just don't think we're going to lose them both. Which one would you prefer to keep? Uh, I Pretty think easy. I'd prefer to keep Manu, but... Yeah. 
I think we'll wind up keeping Angus before. I, lo- I, lo- I love nine-figured Gus, but that's that one's not a contest for me. Just, mate, just making conversation. Hey, yeah, no, just... how, fe- how you feeling about the Manu stuff, real quick? Look, I get it. He's never gonna he's never gonna be fullback while Teddy's playing there, and he's not. I don't think he played great at five eight last year. We kind of thought it might work, but it was the for me it was the same when when we moved Latrell to five eight briefly in the twenty nineteen season. It was everyone was saying, "Oh, this is this is where he might wind up." But it, I think it's the case for both of them. They're really great centers and and really good fullbacks. So I get if he wants to try something else for a little while. Can't mm-hmm. really step stand in the way of that ambition. I feel like I feel like all you've done is come on and say things I agree with, which makes me uncomfortable, you know, because it's the Roosters and everything. The young fellow that I would keep an eye on at the Roosters is a front rower named Xavier Vaa. He's sort of been on the scene mm-hmm. for a couple of years. He's played a lot of uh, junior representative footy for Queensland. I think he captained their under-21s team last year. He's a, a big, mean front rower from Logan, you know, so... Guys like that generally do really, really well. Because the Roosters' middles are so stacked, you might only get a game or two in through this year. But if you're looking for someone to sort of bring that really solid athleticism and fire off the bench, then I think Xavier might, might be your man. Yeah, that's cool. And the and the thing is that Robbo, he takes his time blooding new players as well. He only brings people in ahead of time when he really has to. Like Sam Walker probably wouldn't have debuted until 2022 but he just kind of had to go in in 2021. So it'll be interesting to see when some of these guys come in. Like I was hearing about Siwa Wong for a while before he ever showed up on the team sheet. It's also going to be interesting to see, and I think this will be instructive for all four clubs that come to Vegas. They're only allowed to bring, I think it's 21 or 22 players. And obviously a bunch of them won't play, but it'll be interesting to see who gets included in the squads, particularly if it's, you know, I remember being at the World Club Challenge in 2020 and Egan Butcher was there. And he didn't even play that season for the Roosters, I think. Or maybe he played towards the end of the season. But he was there because he was someone that the coach had identified as wanting to be part of this culture and travel and all that sort of stuff. So Mm. that'll be interesting. They did the same thing with Suali'i in the first few weeks of the 2021 season. Mm -hmm. Just like brought him to games and have him prepare like he was playing, even though he wasn't named. It was all about getting the preparation right and all that sort of deal. So I think you're onto something there, Josh. Mm. Yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, when everybody's squeezing whatever professionalism they can out of absolutely everything, you're looking for whatever you can get. And I hear, you know, Souths are training on a, a shortened and, and shorter um, field because that's what they're going to be playing on. I think everyone's doing that. And then some people are on different sleep schedules. You know, no one's leaving any stones unturned. So I think it's going to be a very competitive year, regardless of who you support. Yeah. Yeah, it it it, it, it feels. I, I still feel like Penrith are obviously a benchmark, but it does feel a little bit more wide open than last year and the year before. Where honestly, I just felt like Penrith were going to cruise their way to the title. I know they didn't really cruise in the grand final last year, but you know, they still won, didn't they? Yeah. So that's all that counts. Yeah. All right. And now, before we move ahead to the second part of the show with Josh, uh, do you have anything to plug? You're, you're a man of many talents over, over there. So, what, what have you got cooking at the moment? Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate that. I would love to plug my book which is called Boldly Go. I'm the co-author with uh, a man named William Shatner. And it's all about his life and his philosophies and all of the crazy things that have kept him going in 92, going on 93 years of life. It's available at all major bookstores and will be available in paperback later in the year. But get the hardcover. It's nice and firm and you can hit things with it. I have read it. It's great. Can we get Shatner to Vegas? (laughs) If you've got open up your checkbook. Can we get... (laughs) He knows what he's worth. They're mucking, around, they're, mucking around, they're mucking around with the Rock and the Kelseys and all that sort of thing. What if we got the Trekkies onto, oh, look, onto you, Rugby you, League? You get the right amount. 
you know, you, the market will dictate, but you, you roll out the checkbook and you'll have Shatner plugging whatever team you want. He's, he's, he's got this ongoing thing on Twitter where he talks about, I think it's either Manchester United or some other team in, in the, um, in the English Premier League that he was asked to promote like 10 years ago. And so it's his team and whatnot. So, All right, so you get it's, value it's up to the NRL. They, they know where to contact me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great book. I read it. I read it a couple of days after, after I got it off you at your book launch. I highly recommend it to anyone who likes Star Trek or just books about life in general. It was, it was very, yeah, enjoyable. there's less about Star Trek as there is yeah. about just his philosophy and, you know, yeah. nine plus decades of life. Super interesting stuff. And the whole trip to outer space is in there. So that's super cool. Yeah. Can we go to outer space? Well, you'll be able to soon if you have enough money. Mm. All right. Patreon. So many things we can't ramp, do on our subscriptions. There'll be a boom rookies from space. space. That's the dream. <laughs> that is the dream. Live from orbit. Live from orbit. Okay. Now we're going to move ahead to the second half of the show. We do have an odd number of teams. So there was always going to be one odd number out. And we have for like a year now been teasing this podcast that we've wanted to do for ages. Anyone that's listening to the show for two minutes will just know that what how important The Simpsons is to both Campo and myself. We quote it to each other every day. It comes up. We reference it on most episodes of the show. And there's very few people on this earth, Campo, that we 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 respect in the same sphere as ourselves when it comes to Simpsons knowledge. My wife's one, my mate Briggsy, my mate, and there's a couple of other people that you might know. And then there's Josh, who's only come into our orbit in the last couple of years, but has definitely proven his bona fides when it comes to The Simpsons. Yeah, look, it's fitting that we're recording this on Valentine's Day because, uh, you know, maybe The Simpsons is the real love of our lives. Yeah. Certainly been in our apologies, lives longer than apology, anyone else. Apologies to, to Liz and Charlie, but, you know, they, they get it. Yeah, they understand. But, uh, yeah, so we thought we might do a little uh, draft exercise. We're going to do it a little bit differently to normal just to break it up and not just be picking the best episodes. But before we do that, we have a special message from a special guest. Hello, NRL Boom Rookies. This is Jay Kogan, co-writer of the classic Simpsons episode, The Last Exit to Springfield. I was asked to say uh, a few words or thoughts or memories about uh, The Last Exit to Springfield, and I remember... Uh, my partner Wally and I said to each other, let's write an episode of The Simpsons that will be the subject of a podcast about 30 years after we write it. And now look what's happened. Here we are. Finally, you guys have done it. So thank you. Um, uh, the Just know that the moments, many of the jokes in this episode were uh, contributed by many other writers, not just me and my partner Wally Wallodarski. Um, know that uh, the the part where Homer's thinking very hard about beer versus Lisa's uh, dental, dental care was originally written to be four times as long as that. <laughs> and wiser heads prevailed. Uh, also, uh, I'm just uh, happy you guys are interested. So I'm glad. Anyway, thanks for your interest and uh, all the best. And Matt, congratulations on being a lifelong Rooster supporter. I liked 99% of that voice message, Josh. I didn't like the end when I'm apparently <laughs> a mad Roosters fan. Lifelong. <laughs> Lifelong. Shout out the tri-colors. But yeah, Jake Hogan, thank you. for. Uh, we can call him a recurring guest now, I think. Uh, definitely a friend of the show, I would Absolutely. say. One of the so- highlights of my life um, was actually I was at a Writers Guild poker event and I put Jake Hogan out of the game. That's so good. Oh, yeah, just- he bluffed. And then, and then uh, in the same evening, um, I had... Uh, I had Alexa Young at my table, who was a writer on Friends back in the day, and also Matthew Weiner, who created Mad Men. 
And mm. I made both of them laugh when I got up for, for a bathroom break. And I said very spontaneously and very straight, I'm going to the bathroom. Does anyone need anything? Mm. Nice. So I'm very, very proud <laughs> nice. of those moments. Yeah, Jay, Jay Coker, an absolute legend. Not just not just The Simpsons. Worked on Frasier, Malcolm Middle, a bunch of other stuff as well. And if you, people want to go through and look at the writing credits he has for The Simpsons, it is honestly some of the all-time greatest mm. episodes. Some that will probably feature in the next few minutes. But... So, Nick, you, you, we come up with five categories to choose from. We're each going to pick one to form our teams. Do you want to run through the categories for the our listeners real quick? Yeah, yeah. So we do drafts every single week on our question show, which is behind the Patreon paywall. But this is a this is a special one. So we've broken it out onto the main feed. And because there are so many great Simpsons episodes to try and change things up a bit to give the teams a little bit of a different dynamic, we'll have categories. And the five categories are... Heartfelt episodes. So think, you know, the the episode where Homer meets his mother for the first time in years and years, or mm. the episode where Lisa has the substitute teacher. Ones like that. Ones that pull at the heartstrings as well as tickle the funny bone. The second category is guest stars. Speaks for itself. I think every single famous person in the whole wide fucking world has been on The Simpsons. So it's a rich one to choose from. They can play themselves or they can be playing a character. Either one's fine. Because we are a sports show, we need to have a sports episode. So pretty self-explanatory there. We also have a recurring category. So uh, something like a Treehouse of Horror episode or a Sideshow Bob episode. Yeah, one that focuses around a recurring character, not necessarily one of the main family members. And then the final category is wildcard and anything that doesn't fit the first four. And well, even stuff that does, if you want to double up. That's true. You could double down. Elements uh, of strategy abound here, you know? Mm. So I feel like I've been preparing for this day maybe my entire life. Yeah. You know, I, my big exposure to the Simpsons came in two forms, right? So my eldest sister went to preschool with a kid named Bart Simpson. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, and she was born in 91. So it's after the Simpsons, it sort of made it big here. So there's no excuses for poor old Bart's parents. However, (laughs) The Campton clan got banned from watching The Simpsons for many, many years because there was an incident in the episode Bart versus Australia that was recreated by one of my family members. It was not me, but as a result of that instance, we were banned from watching The Simpsons for like five years. Did they go to the American embassy and do it? No, no. Does they moon a flag? Is that what happened? No, this, um, you know... I'm told the writing was not very legible. You know what I'm uh, saying? <laughs> so what happened was, so, so that was, so we were all, we were all, li- we were all living with mum, and she wouldn't let us watch the Simpsons, but we could watch it at dad's place. And dad had Foxtel. So every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, Fox eight. the Fox eight, it was at three hours. Was it nine to 12? Yeah, or it whatever? was three hours. It was, I thought it was like eight to 12, but you're probably right. W- w- whatever the block was. And yeah, you, we did like me and, more me and and pup than anybody else. We'd either sit down and watch them all, or they'd just be on the back on in the background, not just all day. But then when it finished, you'd put on Fox Eight Two, so it's on again, and then Fox Eight Two finishes, and then the footy starts. That was, that was that was nineteen ninety nine. Super Saturday, baby. That was nineteen ninety nine to about two thousand and seven. <laughs> every yeah. every every day, every day. So yeah, I was late to the Foxtel party, so I only got to enjoy that when I was at like my mate 
Peter's house after we played soccer. And then again, the same thing. We'd start on plus two, so we'd get the ones that were airing while we were playing soccer. And we'd catch up from the start and watch like three or four hours. But yeah, it was six o'clock, channel 10, five nights a week. Like that, that's that, that is what I grew up on. That is, yeah, it's probably like, in, like, help me understand like history and, and literature and all this stuff more than any any hour in a schoolroom ever did like there was a time in my first uh semester at university i took a u.s politics class and i the the guy i was the first person ever to get the guy's question right when the tutor asked who was the shortest serving american president <laughs> and uh, i said william henry harris william he said, henry why do you know that and i said it's he died in 30 days everybody knows that um and there was another time where the bonus answer, I can't remember why you weren't there, Camper, but I was there with Coleman and Mitch and a couple of other people. You must have had something else on. But the answer, the, it was something about which which president served the longest over two non-consecutive terms. And I was like, <laughs> it's, Grover, it's Grover Cleveland. It has to be. Um, and sure enough, it was. And, and just learning little things like that from The Simpsons, it was such a clever show. Still still is sometimes. like There's, there's still a couple of decent jokes in there. But Stop. The glory days, though, like such a clever show, but also like, you learn so much from it as well. And it's a show that's like, like Seinfeld really like has not aged at all. Like you can go and watch the golden era now. And it's just as funny now as it was then, as I do most days. It's insane how well it holds up. What was exciting for me was I was on the train during the golden years when we would watch it and then come to school the next morning and talk about it. That's I'm a little older than you guys, but I still remember Homer's Barbershop Quartet after a long break was the first episode back and we were all talking about it. And then obviously, Who Shot Mr. Burns was a genuine mystery. To I was going to ask you about that because I think we I, I was probably seven or eight. So like you're a couple of years older than me. So what was that like? Because that was that was huge. They had like think, fake crime shows on the network, like dedicated the, to trying to work it out. That's the, the Vegas, right? the Vegas of, of its like cultural resonance. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like the, the Vegas sports books had markets on it, but you could bet yeah, on and they had, like, they, I remember because before they showed part two, they actually had, uh, and I just assumed it was part of the episode, but then years gone by, I realized it wasn't. They cut to a sports book live in Vegas where they were talking about the odds of each character and all that sort of same. stuff. And it was, it was a moment in history, especially when you're seven or eight years old. Like that's all you could talk about. It was that and NBA Jam coming out on the Super Nintendo. Like we didn't need anything else. We were good. Uh, oh God! So you, you talked about how just picking up knowledge just from watching it. Mm. I was maybe, I was maybe, I think maybe nine or ten, and I had an aunt who was um, in some some community theater play thing, and we all went along to it. And there was a bit where they did a takeoff of a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> and on the ride home, I said to mum, I was like, well, yeah, that's Blanche Dubois from A Streetcar Named Desire. And for like a week, my mum thought I was a genius. She was like, she was like <laughs> saying to people, she was saying to people like, wow, look, I knew, like, I knew, you know, Nick loves, he loves reading and he loves books and he does well at school. Like, I always knew he was smart. I had no idea he was like this. Like, mm. should I get him into like a gifted program? Like, should, should he maybe skip your, like, this is really this has really rattled me. This is crazy. And then like a week later, she said, how did you know that, Nick? And I was like, yeah, sorry, I'm the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> what a betrayal for Mark Hampton. <laughs> Goodness me. So and I believe, oh, I believe that musical stuff happened because they couldn't get the rights to just do the play. Hmm. So they said, but they were protected by parody. So they actually created all those I'm not songs. Gonna, so I, much better. I'm not going to vote for that episode. You guys might, but like, fuck the scene where he, 
The scene where he just derisively throws the change at Homer <laughs> just kills me every time. Oh, here. The, the other great thing is, is you can watch that when you're a kid and not know anything about a streetcar named Desire or Tennessee Williams or mm. Alfred Hitchcock or the birds or anything like that. And then it can be 20 years later when yeah. your, your diet of media consumption has become a lot more varied and you've become one of those fuckwits that says, I don't watch movies, I only watch films. You know, mm. <laughs> and you go, you, you know, and then you watch it again and you're like, this is, this is, this is hitting me on an entire level. The first, level, the first you know? time I saw It's a Wonderful Life, my brain exploded because there's like <laughs> 10 different scenes that the Simpsons ripped off at various Oh, man, it was the same when I watched Citizen Kane. Citizen yeah. Kane, yeah. Yeah. Whole episode on that one, but yeah. it's the most referenced for sure. Hmm. All right. Go anyway, <laughs> let's let, let, come back. You forgot your bear, the symbol of your lost youth and innocence. <laughs> If you can think of a better way to get ice, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> I mean, this could just be the show. This yeah, is- we got yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta gratuitously say Simpsons let's, line. Let's get to draft. And again, the categories are heartfelt, guest star, sport, wildcard, and recurring. Bertrand, I won the last draft mm. going away. Our yeah. our our Australian cricketers of the 90s to present draft gave you an absolute whooping. So you get to decide on this. Draft order. The draft Be order. Warned. If you don't yes. let Josh go first because he's our guest, I will think less of you. I am going to let Josh go first, and uh, I will go. I will go second, and you can go third. I've got the but swing. Okay. I've got the five categories here, but I thought the fairest way to do it is I will hit random number generator, and you and that one through five, and that's the category we'll do first, and then the and draft order. One will each. Reverse. Is that how it goes? On each, but we can okay. take all the time in the world to talk about. It. So I'm going to spin can the wheel. I, can I? Pick one in one category, flex it into another one later on. What do you mean? Like, could I pick an episode in sport, say, but yeah. then shift it to guest star? What do you mean later shift on? It? So, like, say I do sport, oh, and we both. Yeah. Can, can I do that? No, too confusing. Okay, fair enough. I will say I'll we'll leave wildcard till last because otherwise it muddies it up too much. So All it's right, one cool. through four. I'll spin the wheel right now, and it's number one has come up first. So Josh with the first pick. Your heartfelt episode. Okay. Uh, I didn't know if I'd get to go first here. So I've got, you know, I've got my little list of four and I've just got- I also have a list of four. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I will say right off the bat, I don't really care if I win because I just want to- By the way, no one's winning this. We're going to pick 15 of the greatest pieces of television (laughs) ever made between the three of us. No one is going to pick a bad episode of The Simpsons here. It's going to be one of those ones we're going to finish and I'm going to look at your guys' teams and think, you know what? I could trade either one. There are no losers here. Like We are going to pick- But that's why we got the categories, to to chop it up a little bit. Exactly right. Josh, please go ahead. Okay. I'm going to go with Bart Sells His Soul. I think this is an incredible episode. It happens to have some of the best jokes I think that were ever done. And one of the best examples of layering jokes that was ever done, which is when Bart is, he's looking for Millhouse late at night. He's on his bike. His bike gets run over by the the machine that cleans the, the, (laughs) the streets or whatever, comes out shiny, then falls apart again. Then the guy driving the car laughs at him maniacally before accidentally driving his machine down into the subway where it explodes. I've never seen such an amazing concentration it's of jokes. It's so funny. It's so, What's, that scene is so but great. But it is incredibly heartfelt. It's Lisa who gives up the money that she won or whatever that, to get him his soul back. And he's missing something. You know, his mother says there's something off about your hug today. And who hasn't had those moments where you mm. just you just don't want to lose that innocence with your mother? I will say, Campo, you talked about The Simpsons influencing things in real life. I did try to eat paper after this episode. (laughs) 
Well, like if you just think about the first two jokes in this episode, the first joke is them singing in a garden. Well, yeah, Vita. did not get this when I was six <laughs> or whatever. Did not get, matter, did not get Iron Butterfly. Funny. Obviously, I get it now. But and then the last joke is Bart gets his soul back, and Lisa says, "Is Lisa has a little heartfelt thing to him saying, you know, there are some people that believe you have to earn a soul, you know, through laughter <laughs> yeah. and, and and it cuts to him and he's just cramming the paper into his mouth. An important part, I think, of the heartfelt episodes is having a totally hilarious throwaway B plot. And we got mm. that one. We got that in Uncle Mo's family feedback. Yes. <laughs> I just, oh my Wasn't God. Wasn't that the problem in the Mo, first place? You're Mo, going broke because we were your only customers. <laughs> Let me get a pad. Yeah. but so, And it gave us the immortal, like, oh, but the dank, Mo, the dank. Like, the dank is one of say, me and Charlie say, you dial 9 1. Then when I say so, dial 1 again to each other all the time. The, like, that, that's also shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, God. Yeah, you want good food, and, fair and... prices, and a whole lot of crazy crap on the walls. Please take Come the basket off my head. Feedback. And I'll tell you, I sang oh. you the potato stuffings. I sang you the potato stuffings. <laughs> Still no, call soft drinks and... sody sometimes as well. Great yep. choice. Great choice, Josh. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Love so I, I'm delighted that this fell to me with, with the second pick. I had, I had a couple of others written down, but I think the most heartfelt episode and the one I'm going to go with is Lisa's Substitute. I think there's mm. a conversation to be made that this is the best episode of The Simpsons ever. It's it's certainly right up there for me. It's definitely in my top 10, although that does change on any given day. Like you could ask me to name my top 10 Simpsons episodes and most of it would change depending on what day of the week it was. But this episode from start to finish does, does a, I think, a better job of humanizing the characters in the show more than even episodes like, like Mother Simpson or Marge Be Not Proud, which I also had written down on my list. But Dustin Hoffman as Mr. Bergstrom. Again, I think you can make a case he's the best ever guest star in an episode. It, it, it is even to this day. Still, yeah, Sam Etic, right? Right. Yeah, and even even to this day, it, it still gets me at the end when he when he when he leaves on the train, and you know it, the it, note it, the note he gives her. Yeah, and it looks look. This is going to sound super lame, but as someone that like you know when I was Lisa's age and was going to school and like was getting forced into all these classes with kids older than me and stuff. Cause they were like, you're, you're too smart to be in, in regular school. I'm seeing this genuinely happened to me to, to see this, to see this sort of represented on television. It hit me quite hard personally as well. And it made me sort of feel more like I was normal. I think it's the, is it the first great sort of emotional episode yeah. that they ever had? I would and think like so. That's, Season that's, two, that's, right? Yeah. That's the difference between the Simpsons and nearly, I would say every other comedy ever made is the Simpsons like it's fucking gut busting jokes that are beautifully crafted all the way through, but it also makes you really care and emotionally connect about these blobs of yellow paints, you know, mm. like, so that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great one. Bungers. We'll say one, but before one more joke that didn't get when I was a kid is Martin holding up the newspaper saying Simpson defeats Prince. Great. Brilliant. One. Sex. Yeah, so good. Now that yeah, I have whole, your the, attention, <laughs> vote for Bart. The whole B plot about just the cynicism towards politics in general is great as well. But yeah, the, the and, and the recount. This is home. long before the 2000 election. Would you like One another Martin, recount? Two One for Martin. Martin, two for Martin. Mm. Okay, great. but yeah, Simpsons defeat Prince. Wow, what a what a deep cut for a, a kid to pick up on. That's up there with Grover Cleveland. Just learning history through ridiculous yeah, jokes, right? Exactly with Harvard writers, you know. That's what you should have told him back at Hurlston, bro. Like, I'm not actually smart. I just watch The Simpsons a lot. Honestly, I probably should have. Would have lowered expectations a lot. Okay. Well, that must have been quite a burden being so smart. 
I'm not. I didn't want to even bring that up because it sounds so arrogant. But I was. I was being sincere for once. I'm but like, I do know anyway. what you mean because there's like gifted and talented and people who get skipped ahead and whatever, and you don't feel sucked, like man. you're. It fucking yeah. sucked. I hated it. So anyway. oh man, I got a. I got a lot of good. Well, we're all old now. Here. It's true. So, I could go and Maggie makes three just because. Don't forget you're here forever and do it for her. Do it like for that. Her, so like good. just breaks your heart every single time. Maybe the most heartfelt, just individual moment. Just yeah, that, but I'm, that one I'm, joke. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go one that could have existed in another category. I'm going Lisa the Greek, Fuck which yeah. is the, which is the episode where Lisa and Homer are betting on football games, and they have daddy daughter day, and what a Homer's, Homer's gonna blow her off for the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they have the bet where if, um, if Washington wins, she loves him; if Buffalo wins, Buffalo. she doesn't, and it's just. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's bro. It's emotion and footy. It's two of my favorite things. Like what could be better than that? Stone Cold, great lines, <laughs> great lines all the way up and down the bit um, that I always come back to is where she is, where Lisa goes, I like the 49ers cause they're pure of heart Seattle. Cause they got something to prove. <laughs> And the Raiders because they always they always cheat. cheat. And courtesy of an extremely suspicious last minute play, the Raiders win again. Yes, that's where Ricky Stewart's style of gutter rugby league was born. We're winning the comp, boys. I'll see you in October. No, oh, it's great. LS calling for HS. Just give me the bet, Lisa. <laughs> and shoe in of the week slash lock of the week. Oh, yes. Oh, dude, that that whole sequence is incredible. The coach's hotline, like sin, sin. Nah, indeed. Nah. That's one we definitely shouldn't do because the whole joke is how long it takes. <laughs> Don't you understand? Fucking... This is costing me money. <laughs> <laughs> A fantastic episode. Just briefly, um, even though none of us picked it, I'm sure it was on our shortlist when you mentioned. Oh yeah, we Maggie can talk about a couple of three. others here. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first day of of what they called the safe safer at home order, which was our equivalent of the lockdown, very very early on in like March 2020, turned the TV on. Um, I don't know how, picked a random Simpsons episode and it was that one. And there's the line, it's customary to give you the plague. Uh, he means I mean- the plaque, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, cup, cup, uh, again, ma- ma- it's, I don't think it can come up in another episode, uh, another category. So Marge Be Not Proud was probably going to be my, my second list, choice. I thought about taking that, but then I thought it was a little bit too similar to Bart Selzy's soul. Yeah, fair. If, if, if Lisa Substitute had been taken first by Josh, I probably would have taken Marge Be Not Proud. Just ahead of Mother Simpson, but I also wrote "Oh Brother, We're Out There," but that could be used in another category later on. So let's one move. one that I was yeah. I I wasn't gonna two I was I wasn't gonna take him, but I was eyeing him off. Mm. Uh, Round Springfield, which is the yep. one where Bleeding Bleeding Gums Murphy dies. I can't remember the name of it off the bounce, but the one where they tell the story of how Lisa got a saxophone. I think it's just called Lisa's Sax. Yep. Yeah, I think it because is because the montage to the end that's the sax intro from Baker Street is just fucking electrifying every time mm-hmm. so good and then a real personal favorite of mine is the flying hellfish episode great episode with barton Grandpa. that's on my that's on my uh, wildcard list yeah yeah <laughs> yep. so, raging abe simpson and his grumbling, grumbling grandson, grandson in the yeah. curse of the flying hellfish i have spun the wheel nicholas and we've landed on a recurring episode so you make oh first. well that's great because this is so easy cape fear yes yeah, this is uh, the, fear. this is the category with the number one slam dunk answer. Yeah, Cape Fear. Oh, I love the Sideshow Bob episodes. Um, and I think this is pretty clearly the best one. Um, it's got the it's got the rake, man. You guys know the rake. Stepping yep. on the rakes, muttering to himself. They only they only extended that joke because they were the the show was running a little bit short. <laughs> and from that came 
one of the greatest gags they ever had. And but but it's got a thousand ones like that, like Sideshow Bob singing the HMS Pinafore. There's even little ones like when the boat crashes and the cops are there, and Chief Wiggum says, "Good thing you were passing by this brothel." Like, bake him away, bake coming in. Bake him away, toys. Bake him away, toys. Like. Just as good as it gets. I think very clearly the best Sideshow Bob episode. Another one of those oh, yeah. ones that I watched it and then years later I watched Cape Fear and it just gives right. you a whole new appreciation so for it. Like the it, scene it, where uh, they're in the cinema and Bob's smoking mm-hmm. the cigar laughing loudly and Homer goes to say something to him, but then something happens on the screen and he laughs even louder and mm-hmm. more obnoxiously. Just fantastic stuff. Cape Fear, 100%. I think he's talking to you. Oh, yeah, Mr. Thompson, oh, God. unbelievable. You can just pull up Anchor and if you don't like your neighbors, <laughs> they just all that leave. great stuff, unbelievable. <laughs> all right, so it's it's recurring characters and I think that we got a pretty broad definition of what that means. So I went with an episode that features a whole host of recurring Simpsons characters and doesn't focus on the family and that is 22 short films about Springfield. Mm. Um, just... It's so much different to basically every other great episode of The Simpsons in that it is just a bunch of random little gags that go for about two minutes each. But it's given us so many, so many unbelievable lines. Like well, you start off with hams, right? Steamed hams is right, right near the top. You got Mole Man going. You took four minutes of my life. I want them back. Uh, I don't I just waste, waste them, them anyway. <laughs> anyway, like <laughs> Mr. Burns willing Smithers to. Pedal the bike to the hospital. Doctor Nick throwing the coins at him while he's dying on the ground. Um, the the tall man in the small car. You can't beat that. You can't beat that, that. Why is that so funny? <laughs> Just, why is it so Nelson funny? Like, the voice too is what makes it funny because it's not. It's that I, I don't know who, who did the voice, but we, everyone. yeah, we That's haven't heard lap- that <laughs> before. <laughs> Up until that point, uh, Homer getting Maggie <laughs> lost in the newspaper holder. Like God. Oh man, I it's, okay. I love this the soul episode of strength too. To jump out the body. <laughs> I love this episode too, but I it does lose a couple of points for me because the steamed ham stuff got out of control. In what sense? It, it was it, there was too much. I think it got memed to death a little bit. Fair, fair, fair. And now, I, I think... now I just, I just don't enjoy this segment as much because it's like no, I, I've seen I, it every day. I get what you're saying. It's kind of like years. how I feel about Ralph Wiggum in general. Yeah, yeah. But, but a fine, uh, a fine, a fine episode. This is a photo of Sean. This is a photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. Like it's so funny. Like it's so fucking stupid. But it just works. It works. And then stuff. right down to right down to Professor Frink at the end, getting sad during the credits. That monkey's going to pay. That's you, the last line. Iconic. Speaking of of uh, Roger Moore photos signed by Sean Connery, whichever one it was, mm. I have a mug with Mister Spock on it, signed by William Shatner. Fuck yeah, Fuck that's yeah. sick. I, that's great. I don't know why that's awesome, but it is. <laughs> it, it it is very right, treasured. Josh, you, you get a recurring mind. episode. Okay, I, I've gone a little bit uh, outside the box with this one, and this is a recurring character who shows up quite regularly. Is not the focus of this show, but I've gone with Radioactive Man and Renia Wolfcastle. Yeah. Nice. Fantastic. I love the way this episode plays out, not just because I've always wanted to be a writer and director and now I live in LA and I do that, but just the the unbelievable cynicism of it through every stage of what it takes to make a <laughs> movie down to each other right. Slim Springfield. Look at that ad. They don't need a big ad or even correct spelling. <laughs> get me get me two plane tickets <laughs> to the state that Springfield is in. <laughs> 
the goggles do nothing that whole bit up and at them up and at him which by the way was just spoofed by arnold schwarzenegger effectively I saw, in yeah the Super Bowl oh, ad. He's I, I, I missed that he's 73 years old and he's dead <laughs> oh god uh, yeah but- <laughs> oh and the editing the editing of it thanks to modern movie techniques you won't we even tape know a bunch of cats it. together <laughs> yeah he killed the original alfalfa I always wanted to be oh. a teamster. So lazy and surly. You guys are lazy, right? Oh, no question. Oh, no question. Um, so yeah, I just love it. And it's it's a not really a thought of special guest because it's just one of them doing their Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Yeah. But I've just well, always you loved you that slotted character. It, you could have slotted it into guest star with Mickey Rooney. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you went you with it. You got to do it for me. The mixer. <laughs> Jiminy well, Dillacus. Well, 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 I tried. Thankfully, we've got a perfectly good Fallout Boy right here. <laughs> and of course, and that that's that's gave us the band Fallout Boy, one of my favorite bands of all time. So yeah, great, great, great episode. And I'll be taping a bunch of cats together after this. <laughs> and putting the extra machine up to full power. Exactly. And why don't you go get some to eat off our food truck and the the like gust of wind that he leaves in his wake as he speeds off? It's an underrated. Oh, and, and the best bit is at the very end. When when they go back to Hollywood and their their friends embrace them and even though they don't have any money, people treat each other right from our boutiques, you know, (laughs) which is great because if you've ever spent ten minutes here, you know that is not the way it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, All right, I've spun the wheel again, and uh, it's 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 straight back to you, Josh, with a sports episode. Okay, there's so many good ones here, and a couple have already been brought up. And again, I'm just going to go with this. Is not going to be an obvious one but I'm going to go with King of the Hill. And that is the one where Homer climbs the the murder horn. Power source. Power source, yes. Uh, probably not in anybody's top 10 sporting episodes. There's obviously softball. There's, you know, there's Lisa on ice. There's all that sort of stuff. But for me, start to finish this episode is great. There's, a, there's something to it, which is that Homer feels ashamed because he can't get his underwear and capture the flag goes to the gym at night and to this day my parents will say I'm going to the gym today. Say gym say gym all the time. Incredible all the time. staying power. Yep. And yep. then the the bit just the um when when he rides the body of the guy that Abe left up there and, <laughs> and he's got the bite mark and just the favorite bit when when the teeth fall the teeth fall exactly in place and then Abe Simpson says, okay Here's what I think happened and then runs away. So just just nonstop laughs and just great escalation throughout the whole thing for me. And watching him use like the all the oxygen tanks to climb like five meters off the ground. The oh, the, comed- the comedic panning of the mountains as they get steadily. That's what larger I was gonna say. Larger. Like Josh was talking about stacking jokes before and how they just keep going, keep going. That's it. Just a little bit to the right. Um, and, and then it's 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 a very small moment, but it's one that has always stuck with me is when Abe's telling the story about when they were climbing the mountain. And he said, I fell, I fell three miles under a pile of jagged rocks. Of course, folks were tougher in those days. I was chitterbugging that very night. <laughs> Mr. Simpson will plant the power source flag as an eternal symbol of man's contempt for nature. <laughs> and then I forget the guy's name who, who Abe climbed with, but when they find his diary, tell my <laughs> wife, my last thoughts were of her murdering and blinding <laughs> Abe Simpson. <laughs> Blinding and torturing, whatever it was, yeah. It's, oh. it, 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 this is one of the last great episodes too, because this is season nine. Like, it, yeah. it, there's there's still some decent ones in ten and eleven ish, but like, man, it, it starts to fall off a cliff after this season. This is late season nine, episode twenty three mm-hmm. of season nine. So this is truly one of the last great great episodes and, and yeah. a worthy contender. Um, I had 
two at the t- I had a couple of backup ones. I didn't I wasn't sure where I was going to be picking in this draft, but I had two that were basically one A and one B, and my plan was just to take whichever one didn't get taken. But now they're both still here, so I don't oh, know wow. what to okay. do. Decisions. Yeah, and I think that given Campo loves boxing more than I do, and I love baseball more than he does, I'm oh, going to take home with the bat. Yeah, that's that was going to be my one. Like this is the best. This is there is an amazing article that was written uh, a few years ago about the day the Simpsons beat the Cosby Show in the it's ratings. On Dead, it's on Deadspin, I think. Yes, old yeah, yeah, Deadspin. Yeah. Yes, old Deadspin, and and how this was like the big moment for the Simpsons beating beating the Cosby Show at the ratings, which at the time was like the most popular show, most popular show in uh, in America. This that's from 2012, and yes, it is on Deadspin. If you just search Homer at the Bat Cosby Show, you'll find it. It's a really good read. And again, this this obviously could have also been in the guest star episode, such as the the, the, the they get all the baseball players in. It, this is just bang a joke. From start to finish, every every aspect of this episode is just so funny. From 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 the start to the finish, like ending with Homer getting beamed in the head, like they they and build this the up as this unconscious. huge moment that he's going to come on and hit the home run, but instead it's just oh, speaking of jokes, I didn't get I didn't get Wonder Bat until later on in life, but um, what about how uh, he was hiding from the rain under a piece of shit? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> he's choking on the, the donut as they see the. <laughs> I brushed, as- I brushed aside my homemade football. <laughs> like my saying oh, Homer and, come to and bed and then the saying about go back him, to the garage. Just the bit you were talking about, which I think is also, this is something we probably haven't touched on enough. The animation of Mr. Burns giving him the signals that causes oh. him to not know what's going on and get hit by the ball is some of the most brilliant animation I've ever seen. Just with the zigzagging of his face and, and what he's doing with his body. Yeah, and then the, you think once, about the, not twice, but thrice. But thrice. <laughs> the 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 like the like the sideburns joke still yep. still gets referenced to this day. One hundred and ten percent. Yeah, that's the most any man can give. Like brain and nerve tonic. Oh my god, it's just Lord Palmerston pit the elder. Like God. Oh man. The, and of course, the, the song to... is based on on the that's based again. Didn't song. know oh, that until yeah. didn't know that until later in life either. So yeah, it's like there's a party and... in my mouth and everyone's invited. I want you to remember some inspiring things that someone else may have told you in the course of your lives and go there and win. Right like, <laughs> Daryl Strawberry shedding a single tear after Lisa and Barter heckling him. Oh, it's what yeah, smart managers do to win ball games. The one, where, the one where um Ralph and Bart are picking the baseball team. <laughs> you got That's yourself right. a player. I pick, yeah, I pick Ken Griffey Jr. and Wade Boggs. You got yourself a player. Oh, okay, boy. I think we can close the book on all of the unsolved murders in New York. Yeah, and this was the, the uh, this was before I knew you, Campo. But this was when we went to the the largest ever Simpsons trivia night they've had in Sydney. There's I think it's like fifty something teams, which we of course did win. But one of the reasons we won was because one of the questions was worth nine points, and it was can you name all nine baseball players from wow. the softball nice. episode? And of course, I knew all nine. So we and we ended up winning by I think one or two points. So. Yeah, this episode probably probably got me that Mount Lushmore plaque of Homer that's still proudly sitting on my wall to this. Oh, that's day. what you won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that's pretty terrific. cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so I need a sports one. Homer at the bat and Lisa the Greek, I think, are the two best sports ones by a fair way. I love the Homer they fall, but I believe you're not taking it. I don't know if it's there. I love Lisa on ice, but I've already got a Lisa they were, episode. They were my top three. And I want to be yep, the team diversity. List. Bowling's a sport, kind of, I guess. Oh, yep. So I could go yep. team Homer. Great episode. And then there's two more great football ones. Bart Star, which is the one where they're all, where the kids will start playing yep. footy. 
and Sunday Craddy Sunday, which is a bit later on, but it's still a very fun Super Made Bowl. Made out of some one. sort of cracker. But hunting's a sport, isn't it? Hunting's a sport. Unfortunately. I'm going whacking day. Oh, that's great. Mm. I almost oh, I yeah. almost had that as my um celebrity episode because of Barry White. Uh leave all the snakes. Another er, uh, this is another early great episode. Yeah, yeah. You like another snakes, great don't you, Barry White? Taught, taught you all about <laughs> Richard Nixon and Whacking Day. Uh, the, is uh, the... Whacking Day over? <laughs> do you have the pre-wax snakes? <laughs> Beautiful. And taught you a little oh. bit about physics too, with the bass guitar mm. attracting all the all the snakes. Yeah. But although, admittedly, I found that one hard to rewatch just because the subject is going out and killing snakes. Yeah. But like, but it, it is a cartoon. And it, well, it, whacking whacking it, day was only started to as an excuse to beat up the Irish, you know. A fine job you did, but <laughs> it, it, it's and that, like, we we don't even start with with whacking day. Like, the first ten minutes of this episode is Bart getting expelled, which is a hilarious subplot as well, and it only pivots into whacking day like halfway through. Well, there's the great bit where they go to the uh, old Springfield town, and the guys yeah. make it. Oh no, that's a different one, but. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, lot of great, lot of strong stuff in there, and then it loops back around at the end when uh, D- Jimbo, Dolph, Kearney, and Nelson are still in the basement. So yes. Skinner, 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 and Willie are taking them the bikes. And Willie goes, "What if they're dead, sir?" And he goes, "Then we take these bikes to Mexico, <laughs> Mexico. and freedom, Willie." I'm mm. telling you at the first toll booth. I do love it when when a show successfully makes you forget about one of the plot points to bring it back. There was an incredible Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry goes to meet um, uh, Richard Lewis for lunch and Lewis doesn't show up and he calls him and says, what the hell? He goes, you didn't confirm. He said, oh, I God, don't have I to know, confirm. Yeah. The, the day is set. If you, know, you don't need to hear from me. If we set a date, it's confirmed. And then so he says, all right, we'll have lunch next Sunday. And then throughout the episode, he winds up having to come up with some excuse why he can't be in LA for the next three months. So he says that he's going to New York and winds up having to follow through on it. And he leaves for New York and there's all this other stuff happening. Then right at the end of the episode, they cut to Richard Lewis in a coffee it's, shop. Looking at it might be the most I've ever laughed in a Kirby Enthusiasm episode. That shot of just Lewis sitting by himself in the diner. Because they made the you end. forget. That's what God, was so it's, brilliant. It's so perfect. What a great, what a great reference, Josh. That's a fantastic one. Yeah. Whacking Day is awesome. Great answer, Nick. And now we go to... Guest star episodes. So mm. you get to start us off, Camper. This is a this is a deep roster on this Un- one. Unbelievably Huge. loaded. And some of my some of my personal favorite episodes are in this category. Mm. I don't want to name too like I don't want to name too many names here. No, no, Let's just fair. get us moving really quickly. I gotta go Marge versus the monorail. I had it. I had it on my short list, but it wasn't my number one. Yeah, so. it's I've gone that just ahead of Mr. Player. Okay. Okay. Um, but the monorail one, you've got you've got um Phil Hartman as Lyle Landley, probably like apart from McClure or Hutz. Mm. You know, what one of the great one time Simpsons characters, I would say. You've got he sold monorails to Brockway, Ogdenville, and North <laughs> Haverbrook and by Garment put them on their map. It's got the monorail song. The guest star is Leonard Nimoy. I'm not much of a Star Trek person. But it's it's fantastic. It's he's hilarious. He goes, my work here is done. What do you mean your work is done? You yeah, that's do so, that quote is still used to this day <laughs> as know. well. Yeah, or like didn't when they're know. when they're in the monorail and there's an eclipse and he goes, a solar eclipse. <laughs> the cosmic ballet goes on, and so I goes. Anyone want to switch seats? seats? <laughs> and good on Leonard Nimoy for having such a great sense of humor. That episode is talked about by some of the old writers as the first one where they rent they decided they could be absurd on that show. 
Mm. because they had a discussion in the writer's room when Leonard Nimoy beams up at the end and they go, okay, so I guess we can do this on the show now. And then that inevitably led to a couple of seasons later when Matt Groening said, uh, I think it was the Stonecutters episode when they they give Homer the 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 rollerblades so that he can glide to work in his parking space. And it's, it's just it's right it's next, like to, the next to the house. It's so good. And, and it's Groening such a great like, episode. Are we really doing this? And they said, yep, yep, we're doing it. And that's kind of where it started with Leonard yeah. Nimoy being beamed oh. up. Donuts. Oh. Is there anything they can't do? And just like anytime anything was posted about the monorail being shut down in Sydney or any monorail anywhere being built, you can be assured that the comment section will be flooded with references to this episode. No, I don't think anything has done more for monorails than this episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> or less. Even though, well, even though it didn't work. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work, yeah. And like, there are like fewer the, monorails around since this episode. Like, I call the big I'm one Bitey is great. And the, who me? Yeah, sure. Like, it's just so, like so great. <laughs> So, so great. And the evil when, plan when, that he's drawn out. When Lyle only asked Lisa, what, what did you see? And she's like, nothing. He's just like, good. And good. Just like to leave. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. Well, lady, I could bags. give you an answer, but the only ones who would understand it are you and me. And that includes your includes teacher. your teacher. Okay. I love Marge versus the monorail. I think it's a top 10 episode for me. Full stop. Oh, before. Sorry. I'm sorry. I've got to come oh, yeah. in because I, yeah. because I know you guys have talked about The Last Jedi before, which... I think we can agree at best is an uneven movie, although it's actually my favorite of the three sequels, which is Shit much. sucks. It's a good movie. But there's a bit where I just wish one of you had been in the cinema with me when I saw it, because when Luke shows up at the end and he's re- really a projection, his hair is shorter than in the other scenes. And I wanted to turn to someone and say, <laughs> I shouldn't have stopped as that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, reason is because that's how that's how Ben Solo remembers him. So that's how he's projecting himself. But I remember uh, his hair being longer and going, "Yeah, is no one gonna, is no one gonna bring this up?" <laughs> okay, so oh, that's great. I've talked about how my top ten list can change on any given day, but there are three. I don't want to tip my other picks, but there are three episodes that are always, always, always the top three in some order. And I'm I'm stoked that this has fallen to me with the second pick. But guest starring as Hank Scorpio is Albert mm. Brooks, and my pick. Is you only move twice, a a solid a rock solid contender for the greatest episode of The Simpsons ever made. It's 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 as I said in my top three, and it is just absolutely perfect from start to finish. It's 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 again it, it's quite off the wall. You don't see any of the regular Simpsons characters because of course they moved to Cypress Creek. But ever see a man say goodbye to a shoe? Yes, once spawned one of the dumbest and longest internet arguments of our lifetimes. Camper, we're both we're both firmly on he's. Rec- Oh, so people don't know. There's the famous line where Hank Scorpio throws his shoes away and then says, have you ever seen a man say goodbye to a shoe? And then Homer chuckles and says, yes, once. Now, either of you, of course, he is referring to a previous time in his life when he has seen someone throw a shoe away, right? Of course he has. Yes. Right. So for some reason, this has been an argument on the internet for like 10 years that people think he's referring to the thing he just saw happen. No, this is like oh, the never the, even occurred the, to me. I got yeah, to No, like why the, would it? Because you're not insane. This is like the you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Yes. How yeah. that turned into a fucking discourse thing as well. You know. Yeah. Ridiculous. So, yeah, like that was Scorpio. Scorpio, you're joke. totally mad. Yeah. Oh, the Denver Broncos. That still carries. Um, <laughs> want some cream? Uh, no. And just Scorpio. Every time he's on the screen, he's still. So Albert Brooks is, of course, in the show multiple times as Brad Goodman as Jacques. Marge's pervy bowling instructor, and then a Scorpio. Like all three fantastic guest spots, but yeah. this one in particular is just unbelievable. I think that this is an episode that regularly 
features whenever you go on like a website or like a podcast, or whatever that talks about the best Simpsons episodes. This is always one that's right, right, right near the top. And for me, it's right near the top, and I'm st- I'm stoked to get it here. But I think it, it it might be the best ever that doesn't like sort of take place in the regular confines of the town. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's almost like yeah, like it, it doesn't it doesn't take place in the normal dynamics, but that's probably a strength for it, bro. The mm. the bit where Scorpio is showing Homer around the headquarters and then he gives him his coat and he says, hang it up. And he goes, I don't believe in walls or hooks. In fact, I didn't even give you my coat. And, it's on and the, look up, the look on his face when he's wearing the coat backwards, just <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Another I'm great gonna, I'm gonna animated watch moment. For 12 hours after this, man. Like, Me too. Great pick. Oh, man. Great pick. All the Thank stuff you. at the house and, and Marge saying they, oh, they my- say you're supposed to drink a glass of wine each day, but I can't drink that much. Homer, which is your least favorite country, France or Italy? France. No one ever says Italy. No one ever says oh. Italy. <laughs> oh, on oh the 59th Street Bridge. Maybe it just blew up on its own. I can't take, take that chance. chance. Oh, the, the Hammock that. District. That's oh, right. I want to take a chance. That's an incredible runner, that Hammock District thing. Oh, Bunga, we, we, were we talking about the Tom Landry hat? At we, the, we, we talked about the Tom the Landry hat on Monday. Yeah. yeah. It's like to Berman's dry cleaning. Best wishes, Tom Landry. Guys like me, I'm a guy like me. Man, every line. There's not a bad line, line in this episode. It is perfect. It is. It is. My a, management a, techniques, like donuts and the possibility of more donuts. Can't a man walk uh, down the street in this country without, without getting, getting offered, offered a, job. a job? Oh, and that's great too. When he has to figure out how to pick Homer, he goes, oh, I'll search for incompetent and this. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted. I'm a Simpson. <laughs> I, I, I'm delighted no, to get this great. episode. I've got my other top Good two. My other two of my top three are both still on the board as well, which I should be able to get one of them but yeah your your guest star episode josh oh gosh there are so many good ones I, so I, I just want to a quick shout out to the i'm not going to pick this but trash of the titans criminally yeah, underused martin. steve martin underused. He's still amazing anymore. in it you're all yeah, screwed but by still great he ain't much off. for speeches <laughs> yeah um oh gosh this is such a this is old such man a patterson with his finger on the button <laughs> what button <laughs> unbelievable and and yet that's like it's not much of a role, but he did so much with it too. He did it. He's great. And then the gag at okay. the end. I told you not to turn around. Oh, yeah, great episode. Brilliant. And that's another history thing you probably mm. learned yeah, from the absolutely. show as well. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, gosh, this is just a real coin toss here, but mm. I'm going to go with the mysterious voyage of Homer. Fuck yeah, dude. I love that and one. Johnny Cash. Yeah, love but it. But I almost picked The Last Temptation of Homer with Michelle Pfeiffer, which is wow. early and brilliant. It's, mm. it, it, it's my, like, it, it's crazy today to imagine just like a cartoon having like every super famous person on earth just feature in episodes of it. Like, it's yeah. just crazy that it happened the way it did. But as you said at the very start of this, mate, like, you name a famous person, they've likely been on The Simpsons. Well, you think you'd have yeah, the, the early chili days, <laughs> but what was great top. about it too was in the early days they weren't the simpsons kind of changed somewhere around i don't know year 12 13 14 whatever where it became about kind of sucking up to and celebrating celebrities mm. as opposed to denigrating them or making them play weird versions of themselves like yeah like leonard nimoy did but yeah johnny cash is the talking coyote he's amazing just unbelievable and I mean, yeah, we could go on and on and on about the great quotes from that episode. Batman's really let himself go. I can't give you any new information, you know, but it's also just, again, it's a great heartfelt Homer and Marge. Don't soulmate me. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. discovering, rediscovering his love and her love of him. It's it's beautiful and you know, they, unbelievably drawn. Oh, yeah. It looks, well, I, I can't remember the name of the Mexican 
animator whose work they based a lot of the, mm. the hallucination stuff on, but it's just beautifully done. You know, originally they wanted Bob Dylan for this oh, instead really? of Cash. Wow. And like, but Cash is so, he's so perfect. He's, he's amazing. I, I can't imagine it being anyone else, you know, like, yep, yeah, terrific. It's so funny because Bob Dylan basically has the exact opposite quality of Johnny Cash's yeah, vocals. Yeah, yeah. Like, like where he's so, raspy, Cash is completely smooth, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's at the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, they play segments of this episode on a loop constantly. Fantastic. Yeah, so you do that and you think that's funny. And then you walk around a corner and then you're playing the Hurt the, film clip. They're playing the Hurt <laughs> film clip. Yeah. And they have like this chair he was sitting on and it's an emotional fucking roller coaster. I'll tell you that much. Homer, find wow. your soulmate. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just yeah. a talking, talking dog. Coyote was as just a, a talking as a, dog. Campo, as a known chili wuss, should I try the candle thing next time we've got some spicy food around us? Can't hurt. Can't nah. hurt. Well, definitely maybe, can. Maybe you just need some chili. Maybe, maybe you just need a spoon that you carved from a bigger spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear my fancy cook-off boots. Oh, nice. Missing the cook-off. Oh, man. What an episode. Now we move on to our fifth and final round, which is a wild card. You pick whatever episode you like, Joshua. Oh, it's me again? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to pick this one. Um, and only do because it. for me, it came kind of later in the run it's season 11 but it was at a point when i kind of thought the show wasn't capable of really solid episodes anymore and then they pulled this one out and it's um eiei annoyed grunt which is the tamako episode Mm. fuck yeah a great one a a great later season one definitely yeah that really made me feel oh this show still has legs in it you know and just from everything from yes they they go back to the house he grew up in even though it had previously burned down to the 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 nuclear material is is that nuclear material on your gums? Shut up and kiss me. <laughs> you know? it's, and it's actually the B-52s doing glove slap. Sometimes, yes, sometimes when there's yeah. nothing else to believe in, believe in hope. Mm. Where did you get, that? you get that? From the producers? And like of the, waiting to yeah. exhale. So like obviously, so when this episode came out, I think I was like 10 or 11. We went through a period at school or at cricket training where we would start hitting each other with gloves when, when this episode came out. <laughs> I demand satisfaction. Yeah. It's got another great one of those um, jokes that we were talking about where you completely forget about the glove stuff. Yes. And then they come back home, but he's like, oh, crap, I forgot. And and he's sh- still got are a we dueling or what? Yeah. Just when you think he's gotten away with it and he shoots him in the shoulder. Oh. Uh, yeah. And I just love the everything. <laughs> There's so many Maybe great the colonel's moments. wife can save you. <laughs> this, this, uh, this tomato tastes like grandma. Give me that. It does and then of taste course, like, grandma. like grandma. Sneed's feed and seed, formerly Chuck's, which, <laughs> again, obviously did not went way over my head. Yeah, as a it child, worked, they, they could work a little blue. It's good to they, see. They worked a little blue, which was rare for them. Well, when he's right. talking to the, when he's talking yeah. to the hillbillies out front, and they go like, "Well, here he here comes here, come, here comes the fancy man, and he's German sports car. He has cars made in Guatemala. Well, at <laughs> me, Mister Gucci loafers. Well, they shoes off a hobo." Well, la di da, Mr. Park Avenue manicure. I'm sorry. I believe in good grooming. Yeah, that's great. That's a great comedy triple there. Mm, uh, the, the third one is yeah. the convincer. Okay. So both of my, I, I'm, I'm picking the best Simpsons episode of all time. My favorite Simpsons episode of all time. The best 22 minutes of television that has ever existed and likely ever will exist. I, I mean, we talked about, we talked about Scorpio being, wall-to-wall jokes from start to finish but if there's if there's one episode that tops that it is last exit to springfield okay so i'm glad you brought this up this is a great episode right and all the jokes work and all that sort of thing i friend of the show jake hogan 
I, yeah. yeah, friend of the show, Jake Hogan. I don't know though why this one has the rep of being the best ever. When I think there's like a a lot of other episodes that are just as strong. Mm. I'm not sure why this one, in sort of the conventional wisdom among the Simpsons freaks, has the rep of being I, I think the it, best ever. I think because it, it ticks every box that we've talked about in the last like 45 minutes or however long we've been talking about the Simpsons now. There's throwaway there's throwaway jokes that don't have anything to do with like the actual reality of what they're doing and like the swank joke with McBain, but then it cuts to no one's that evil in real life. And Mr. Burns is watching a window cleaner dangle, dangle from the ceiling. And then like, from there, it's like, Oh, if only we listened to that boy instead of walling him up in the abandoned Coke oven, the big book of British smiles, dental plan, Lisa needs blazers might be the most quoted line, like in general society. And then what does this job pay? Nothing unless you unless cook you're a crooked. Joe. <laughs> How he talks about getting the scar at the strike, but then it cuts to him banging on the food truck and asking for his burrito and the, the thing falls on his head. And that's why he's got the scar. I'm beginning is this to think the one Homer where Simpson... the file photo of him is, is him with a black eye wearing a Hagen 88 t-shirt, or is that a different one? I think this is, I think this is the one where he's got the cigarettes in his mouth, isn't it? I might be, I might be wrong. <laughs> Union Kingpin Homer Simpson. Yeah. And then, you know, it, did, which uh, uh, did you find the bathroom okay? Uh, yeah, like Don Homer with the donuts. Like, this is twenty-two minutes wall to wall. They they mix in the Beatles, jam-packed, crashing into yep. the Queen Elizabeth statue while Lisa's hallucinating on or after she she gets her dental surgery. The hired goons, Crusher and Lobo. That was also a question in the trivia. What were the names of the two hired goons? Um, best of times, blurst of times, I believe is in this yeah, episode. Best of times, blurst <laughs> the, of times. The monkeys finishing the tour yeah. in the basement. Oh, yeah, that's, I, really I talked about that the, the other day. <laughs> so that just came I tied an onion to my belt. As was the style of the time. Yeah, like, no, so we, you're making of, a strong case. I, like, no, we could I'd literally almost, I'd, I'd almost forgotten there. how, how yeah, because a lot of those gags aren't just good. They're all timers. You can take any line from this entire episode. At, if you went on Frinky, I can pick a random line from this episode. It'd make you laugh. And like... So many of these episodes are amazing, but I think that this one is the most densely packed with jokes from start to finish. And to do that, both in the reality of Springfield and then with like the the sub reality of the McBain movie and the Beatles hallucination and all that other stuff, to have that all come together and f- and and form one perfect story that goes for twenty two minutes that is just wall to wall banging jokes from start to finish. It's my favorite episode of The Simpsons. Um, it, it, you're right; it does always come up when people talk about their like the highest rated ones and all that stuff. There is another one that we. I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet that is actually number one on IMDb ahead of this one. But yeah, I know which yeah, one you're is, talking about. I this think. is my favorite episode, and to me, it is the best episode of the show. Can I tell you, it yeah. still cuts through 30-something years later. A friend of mine owns a liquidating place, and he mentioned to me, I was at his warehouse the other day, and he said, hey, do you guys need a new washing machine? Uh, machine? And I said, well, ours is a bit temperamental. And he showed me this one that he had. And I said, oh, it's not the same color as the dryer, so I wonder if that's going to bother Liz. Then again, it's in the laundry where we also have a piece of paint that doesn't match the rest of it. I really must stop ending the tour with it. And he got it. <laughs> That's a good man. Kevin, you got the last pick, the wild card. Man, this is this is so hard because you're now really with like tough. 20 unbelievable yeah, this episodes. Is, this is this is really tough. Um well, I'll start with the ones I'm not picking. I okay. love I love Summer of Four Foot Two. Mm-hmm. The one where they go to little, I can't even pronounce it all properly, but they go on holidays to the little beach town and Lisa tries to be cool. My mom only it. celebrates Bastille Day. Yeah, it could have been a great one in Heartfelt. It's a personal favorite of mine. Mm. Uh, Radio Bart, the one where Bart falls down the well. Incredible mm. stuff. But I, I, Can I take like six of them? Burns Baby <laughs> Burns, the one with Larry Burns. 
had that up there. Had that had well, that um, on my guest I, star episode. I, I, I didn't know who Rodney Dangerfield was when I watched Neither that episode. I. I yeah. You didn't need I, to. That's I, what I was I feel so like a lot them. of people still wouldn't, but it's just. If this stuff's still good for you, I got some I got crap. Some crap. Yeah, that might be yeah. the one that me and Pup quote the most in our day to day lives. Itchy and Scratchy Land, that's a great one. Homer yeah. Goes to College, that's a great one. Homer's Home Enemy. Homer the Vigilante. Yeah, Homer the Vigilante, Homer's Enemy, which I can't believe is the top I can't one believe you're not picking yeah. Homer's Enemy. I can't it's believe so you're not picking Homer's Enemy. It's great. It's so uh, dark. And I couldn't though. pick well, it because Grimey is Grimey's not a guest star. He's voiced by Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria, so I couldn't pick him yeah. for the guest star. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I picked Scorpio I love anyway. Ho- I, love might, ho- I yeah. love Homer's Enemy, but mm-hmm. you picked your favorite one. I know right? which episode you And picking. I want to pick my favorite one. My second favorite one, which I won't pick, but I want. I think we have to mention, mm-hmm. Behind the Laughter. Mm, another late been, season that, one. That should, yeah. have been, that should have been the last episode. That should have been the end. Um, Instead, we're still here 20-something years later. Well, yeah. Well, that's the really depressing part. We're into like episode 700 now. So mm-hmm. there's 25 years of almost yeah, of Simpsons don't, don't episodes that are fucking depressing. bad. But look, it but doesn't Homer, hurt us Homer's, that it's on Homer's, the air, right? Homer's Enemy is probably the best episode, even though it is super dark. But I have to go my favorite episode. And I want a Homer episode because I've got a Lisa episode. I've got a Sideshow Bob episode. I've got a Bart episode. And I've got a Marge episode. So I need a Homer episode. I need the big man. I know Clear out the paint. I'm taking Homer versus the 18th Amendment, a.k.a. Mm. the Beer Baron episode. Yeah. My favorite. I watched it the morning that the pubs reopened after lockdown just to, <laughs> just to get fired up. The best damn pet store in town. Yeah, just gags like that. <laughs> Rex Banner's unbelievable. I'll I like you, Dave Thomas, no, Canadian comedian. The, the, the St. Patrick's Day parade at the start. Like, this is a wicked party, huh? Where's that weather chick? Hey, have you seen Sully? Like, just Are these really stuff. the things we think of when we think of the Irish? <laughs> <laughs> John Bull's fish and chips exploding and everyone cheering. Like, oh, just the catapult. I, 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 I the, like, oh, it must have been that bean I had earlier. <laughs> I like the episodes. bathtub gag. There's a special. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you, I said 42. All right, see you later. <laughs> I just remembered that. I love episodes uh, that show. I love episodes where Homer's competent and where Homer mm. wins. You know, because like he is a he is you know a bumbling oaf and all that sort of thing. But that makes it when he wins, I I really mm. do enjoy it. And like the scene where he's talking to the talk, like he confesses to Marge and Lisa that he's the beer baron, and, and Marge yeah. just loves how much money he's made. She goes, Homer, that's. Very clever of you. Lisa goes, what? And she goes, well, I've known your father since high school. This is the cleverest thing he's ever done. You're right. It's great great when Homer wins. And then Lisa does one of the bloody, like, prohibition may not be popular, but it's just like, go to your room, Lisa. (laughs) I got to go Beer Baron. That's my favorite episode. And I had to have it in my five. A couple more we didn't talk about. I had them on my shortlist for the guest star episode, Homer the Great, which is Stonecutters. I cannot believe we've not even mentioned it yet. Patrick Stewart. Unbelievable. Deep Space Homer. Again, like the, these are these are probably top ten, top Buzz fifteen Aldrin, episodes for me. I met. T- talk about that. Okay, I met Buzz Aldrin. I'd only been here living in the states about six months, and I'm a friend of Rod Roddenberry, whose father was Gene Roddenberry, who created mm-hmm. Star Trek, and his mother died of leukemia. And I was invited to the funeral, and they had this big reception at the Bel Air Country Club. And uh, Buzz Aldrin spoke. He was a friend of the family. So somebody who knew him introduced me to him. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut until I found out that, you know, no good at maths or physics, terrible motion sickness, colorblind, not going to be an astronaut. But I said to him, you know, it's an honor to meet you. And he said, yes, I'm sure it is. And he's he's uh, a funny guy. The only person I've ever met who can and did use the phrase when I got back from the moon in a sentence. 
Fuck yeah. Incredible shit. <laughs> Second comes right after first. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's so many other great ones though. Like we didn't talk about Camp Krusty. Nope. We didn't talk about Lemon of Troy. Oh, that's, King, that's si- King Size Homer. We didn't talk about Homer Itchy Batman. Versus, itchy versus Scratchy versus Pooch. Homer Batman, which we studied in school, by the way. Um, uh, the Beast Sideshow Bob Roberts. Sideshow Bob Roberts. Fish called great. Selma. Krusty gets cancelled. Brother uh, from another series. My other recurring character, one that I was going to pick um, if I didn't get 22 short films, was Flaming Moe's as well. It's all about mm. Moe, but Flaming Moe's as well. Um, Sideshow, Bob, Sideshow Bob's last gleaming would have been my backup. Oh, no. Um, Brother from another series mm. was on my short list for guest star. Mine be- too. Because the him talking about the, the workers... Coveralls that don't quite cover all. Oh, cousin Merle. <laughs> cousin Merle. Oh, cousin Merle, really? And then the great one of they're getting the boys are getting put away, and Cecil goes to him, "Yeah, tell them they'll live to regret this." Mm. He screams out, "You'll <laughs> live to regret this!" Oh, great! Now I sound crazy. Yeah, we didn't even talk. Oh, what about... about when they when Bart grabs Cecil from behind and covers his eyes? And he says, "Who is that?" Maris. Maris? Yeah, great Fraser gag. They, we didn't even talk about Spr- the casino episode. Yep, Springfield um, with oh with, with and... the um. Robert Goulet. Yeah, yeah. E- either of the casino. Let's go. Either of the Danny DeVito episodes. Like, I, yep. I guess you could make a case. Well, we mentioned Brother Where Art Thou. Madam, but, your children like, are no more than mm, a the couple burlesque of house episode we didn't touch on. Even yeah, I think Lisa versus Mal. Especially Malibu Lisa. Stacey. But especially Bob. Especially Bob. Yeah, you can scroll like, and you know, it's Valentine's Day. I might go watch I Love Lisa after this. Like, Charlie bought me a shirt that says, I choose, choose, choose you on it once. Still got it. Um, so so many like you can, can i call down, out like, a couple of my favorite lines just in yeah, terms of just 100%. the construction of these lines is just unbelievable the runner-up is the new glasses bit for me oh my Bart's god girlfriend. i I, j- I just don't why know is it funny i don't what know. goes in the minds of these because it's 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 an old thing it, structurally speaking as a writer you've got to you've got to get some information out but you also want to know how they're feeling but you just they use the ha- the the homer character to its nth degree. Marge is having serious concerns about her son. Oh, new glasses, you know, and then topping it off at the end with, no, I just worried I'd be smothering him. Yeah. And then you'd get the chair. That's not, not what, what I, I meant, meant, Homer. It was Marge, Marge. admit it. it yeah. So no. like, that's just astounding. Mm. Um, Another one that we didn't, like, I'm shocked. At, so what I also did at the end is for a reference point was pulled up the IMDb list of all the episodes mm-hmm. by rating to, and Homer's enemy is of course, is number one. Cape Fear is number two. There's a few Halloween episodes towards the top. I don't, I didn't really consider using any of those. We talk about this. a single one of them. I know they're not your bag, Bertrand, but yeah, they're the ones I rewatched the least. I was a bit disappointed when they'd come on at six o'clock on a, on a, on a. Oh, some of them night. are classics. Yeah, I was going to say that's a terrible. Vampire, opinion, okay. and, you know, that's all right. I'm not, I mean, we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. Uh, and no. but but what but the reason I brought that up was because I had to scroll all the way down to a hundred and first on this list. To find one of my favorite episodes, Burns Verkaufen der Kraftwerk, which is of course oh yeah Germany. yeah I almost I almost how the hell is that favorites. so low? I nearly picked it. They're just like, so how good. is that not They're in the top so 100? Many. I think that's just a testament to just how unbelievable this show was for so long that things like that, like unbelievable pieces of television, are not even in the top 100 rated episodes. One of the one of the ones from that that I use all the time is uh, please forgive me, my English is how you say inelegant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the land of chocolate bit. That's incredible. Yeah. The he wouldn't sell it for a hundred million dollars. You're desperate <laughs> to buy. Where you're desperate to sell. Advantage burns. Yeah. No, it's oh. there's just just so much you can't cover. It'll just never um, be a, a show like it again. I don't think it's possible with the way that media is consumed now. I like, because people just watch TV far less than they do. Like even when Game of Thrones was at its peak, like even when Breaking Bad was at its peak, I don't think 
those shows have like the quotability or the like sort of relevance to day-to-day life that the Simpsons had when it was at its peak. It's, I can't imagine a comedy being as universal again. No. Because no, even if you think about, that. even if you think about the great shows of recent times, none of them are out and out comedies. Like succession is a really funny show with some really funny lines in it, but it's, it, it's not the same. It can't be the same, you know? No. And as yeah. big as succession is, it was never, it was never at the level not even of close. a Breaking Bad not or a Game close. of Thrones or no. anything. Like My that. grandparents know who Bart Simpson is. They have no clue who Logan Roy is. No, but I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just more saying that yeah. like, just from a comedic. No, no, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm just saying that like, that's like, that, I think that's my litmus test is like people that don't watch the show, having heard of you, like every person alive knows who Bart and Homer Simpson are. Everyone. And it completely cuts across generations in the way yeah. that certain shows, even, you know, friends, obviously enormously popular Seinfeld, enormously popular, but you get to certain age groups and they don't know what it is. Simpsons mm. just doesn't have that limitation. And, and before I forget my favorite line from yeah. King size Homer, which we did bring up earlier. I, again, the construction of this line, just chef's kiss for me. Your father can be surprisingly sensitive. Remember when I giggled at a Sherlock Holmes hat? He sulked for a week and then closed his detective agency. I just, uh, mm. I will never be that good no matter how long I do this. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's, um, let, let's, let's, read out, let's read out our teams. Okay, you go first. Okay, I'll start first. In Heartfelt, I have Lisa the Greek. In Recurring Character, I have Cape Fear. In sport, I have Whacking Day. In guest star, I have Marge versus the Monorail. And in wildcard, I have Homer versus the 18th Amendment, a.k.a. the Beer Baron episode. Yeah, my episode, my five, my heartfelt episode is Lisa's Substitute. That's Mr. Bergstrom. My guest star episode is You Only Move Twice. It's the Hank Scorpio episode. Homer at the Bat is my sports episode. That's, of course, the plant softball team. My recurring episode is 22 short films about Springfield. And my wildcard, a.k.a. the best episode of all time, is Last Exit Springfield better known as dental plan. Lisa needs braces. <laughs> uh, my heartfelt was Bart sells his soul. Guest star episode, the mysterious voyage of Homer with Johnny Cash sports episode, King of the Hill, because power source is amazing. Brendan Fraser, by the way, um, yeah. recurring episode, radioactive man and wildcard EI, EI annoyed grunt, AKA yeah. the tobacco episode. I'll chuck this up on our socials and stuff. So hopefully people can chat about and, and just tell us what your favorite episodes are as well. Because I mean, I always love talking about Simpsons with people. Um, never gets old. Well, I mean, we've been saying these lines. I mean, I've known you for what, six or seven years, Nick. We've been saying these lines to each other for as long as I've known you. I've been saying these lines to people I've known longer than you for as long as I've known them. And we shall continue to quote these these episodes gratuitously to each other. Honestly, going- one of the things that made me fall in love with your podcast, and I think I said mm. it to Matt, was I came for the rugby league. I stayed for the Simpsons. <laughs> well, I, I'm, and- I'm glad that we've uh, reached the destiny of every white boy with a podcast and spent two hours talking about the Simpsons <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, that's how I it's mean, meant to that's how it's meant to be. Yeah, if you're if you're not a Simpsons fan and you you're still here at this point, I mean respect to you. But if you but also go watch The Simpsons. You know, I hate, I will say, but if you haven't seen something, it's fine. But the people who wear like not having seen something that's very culturally re- re- resonant and important, like not having seen it, like it's a badge of honor. Like those people who are weirdly proud that they've never seen Star Wars or The Simpsons. They're the other side of the coin to oh, was sports ball on? I was yeah. too busy reading books. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've never seen Star Wars. I've never watched The Simpsons. Grow up. Go yeah. do it then. You know, also, my favorite Star Wars people is... people like what they like. Books! Mm, Apollo 11. <laughs> the real Star Wars. <laughs> All right. We did it. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It was, no, it was a real pleasure to, have you, to just have a Simpsons yarn yeah. with you guys. I shall see you in a couple of weeks. You will. Las Vegas. Yeah, very excited for that. And uh, I'll, see, I'll see all of you in April. I'll be in Sydney. Yep. Anzac Day. Love that. Can't All wait, right. bro. Yeah. But before we get out of here... 
a quick thing to people in the top two tiers of our Patreon subscription service. Go patreon.com forward slash Robin Rookies. You get access to this server, a third show every single week, uh, merch discounts, and entry into the Coltrane Cup, which is upcoming. Josh, how many weeks into the season before you give up on your Coltrane Cup this year? Well, last year it was, I think, six. So I'm going for seven this year. Okay, there you go. It's important to have goals. Camp, are you trying to shoot the moon and go over 26 again? Uh, no, because that turned out to be really difficult. I feel like I can mm. pull bullshit like that when I'm just a contestant. But now that I'm like a host on the show, I... You were a host last year. <laughs> I didn't try and shoot the moon last oh, year. Oh, wait, that was two years ago. That you was the year that. before. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, last, sorry, no, sorry, last year sorry. I tried to... Last oh, yeah, you, year did, you did great last year. What am I saying? Yeah. yeah, so I feel like I have to take it seriously to set an example. So mm. Set the tone. And thank you too. Chris Abnell, Dave, go woke, go Captain Australia. Michael, do you believe the earth is flat? I don't know, eh? Yeah, I believe it is. Murray, Rocky and Rafi, Stu. And if you don't expect too much from me, you might not be let down. Ashley and Martin, beautiful big ball playing front rowers. Don't just fall out of the sky, you know. Broncos legend Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pond, Butsy, Chewback Snufflobagus, Dan Cullinan, Danny Levi's biggest hater, David, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist, Keon Kolomatangi. Hired goons. I can't yell because Zoom cuts my microphone out. I was saying booons. Jason, Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon. Yay! Woo! Kicks house out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Midmore, Mads, Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Nick Campton. Rugby Union is my favorite type of rugby. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Nick Kotrick lives on my street. I'm subliminally coaching him to run it straight. Paul Max 78, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Sea Eagles legend, Adam Woods. See you in Vegas. Shunter, the black vegetable, the right dishonorable Rodrigo Eduardo the fourth. Thought Tom Hardy was. We are now every chance everyone loyalties and to everyone decisions. All listeners, please send five year Australian dollars to at the Matt Bungard on Twitter.com and Westlife Podcast. West Tigers are back, baby. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. I love it when we get to thank someone in person. It's great. Yeah, it's thank good, you, man. Thank but, you, John. bro. With the names on that one, we got a quote, uh, an appropriation of a quote from Dogma, which I was not expecting. <laughs> and a Gin Blossoms lyric. How good. Mm. Life's looking up, man. 10 good. Fantastic. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Say goodbye, Josh. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.